I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Zach Groton. And we love to watch. <laughs> we love to watch. We'll pulverize Godzilla because I use Pacific drugs. <laughs> Just aggressively switching into why am I here mode. The second. <laughs> no, I, I actually. Uh, I we're was... going to. Hold on. No, we're going to put in all this stuff before the We Love to Watch where you were talking like a normal human being. <laughs> I. Uh, the reason it sounded so weird is because the way I was sitting, I had no air. So I had to, like, <laughs> grunt it out. Are you in a time capsule? Why do you have no Well, I'm, I'm kind of, like, laying. I'm not really mm. sitting. So I, I, I've kind of adjusted some. He's lay, he told us he's laying on his bed this episode. Yeah, you're laying on a bearskin rug right now. <laughs> At some point, like, in a future guest episode, he's just going to be like, well, I, ideally I'm going to be dead and buried six feet underground. If you could just put a mic up next to my gravestone, I will contribute about as much as I plan on contributing today. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we're, we're, we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a, a theme and we do movies over the course of the, uh, the month around that theme. And uh, we're in our uh, our fourth annual double summer. And this time it is size does matter month. Double month with uh, with our Godzilla uh, series. So we, uh, we've done uh, – this is our second episode. We did – Godzilla, the 1953 classic. We had some words about the butchering that occurs in the 1956 unclassic uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. And we're moving on to a two-part series on uh, the Showa era of, of Godzilla film. So this was really tough to kind of figure out what um, – what movies to talk about? I've seen them all. Our guest, who I'll introduce in a second, has seen them all. Uh, but Zach, or sorry, but Peter has only seen two or three of the Showa movies. You stopped at King Kong versus Godzilla. So even though some of these are great, some of these are terrible, but still charming, and some of them are are middling, trying to really navigate the journey of the of going through these movies. Uh, was difficult. I think we settled on um, some good some good uh, movies to cover. So today we're going to be covering uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, specifically the Japanese uh, original cut that's finally been available, made available in the USA. Although I did watch both the uh, the American cut that I think a lot of us who grew up with it are more familiar with, uh, and we're going to be covering uh, Godzilla. Or sorry, <laughs> about to say the American title, uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster, which was also released here in the United States as Monster Zero and Godzilla versus Monster uh, Zero. We're going to talk about some of the naming conventions that have started occurring in the Showa series. Uh, but we're joined today, before we get into all that and how we get from Godzilla 1954 to Godzilla fighting a big uh, ape question mark. Some some someone in a hairy couch suit. I don't know. Um, we're joined by returning guest, someone who, uh, at, as each appearance on our show uh, comes through the years. At this point, it's, you've been you were our first guest six years ago. Zach seems more and more reluctant to join, and so once again, he's doing us a favor. Uh, and joining us to talk about something, he is doing us a favor. He is acting like he doesn't want to be here. I think. 
Zach, like your claim to fame is how much you love Godzilla. You were on our fifth episode ever, and the only Godzilla movie we've ever covered to date, which is Godzilla versus Fedora or Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And I, I can tell you, eagle-eared listeners, besides the audio quality, you can go back and listen to that episode, and you will hear a very enthusiastic, happy to be here, Zach, Zach Groton. Um, and I don't know what we're getting today, but Zach, thank you for joining. I don't have anything going on, so there's nothing to nothing to plug. <laughs> We're not a pl- plugs are at the end, but it's oh. good to know we can skip it. Yeah, just say goodbye. I love, I love to have the same reason you're here as the same reason like uh, a, uh, a a old ghost of bingo night. <laughs> I didn't have anything better to do. The pandemic has has I'm not gonna say it has changed my habits because that makes it sound like I did more before, <laughs> but it has it has solidified that those habits were perfectly fine. And I don't <laughs> have any anxiety about them. So yeah, no, I I work, I come yes, home, and for, I for some for some people the pandemic really affected the, their lives, and for you it really gave you a medical reason to <laughs> behave the way you are socially. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I don't want to go out because of the pandemic. <laughs> I don't want to blame it all on coronavirus. Yeah. I don't want to blame it all on Corona, but it didn't help. <laughs> I'm gonna stay here. Uh, yeah, no, uh, but uh, Zach. So we talked a little bit last week about uh, our introduction to the Godzilla series. Um, we're gonna go through a little bit as to, to kick off about um, the kind of break and how, again, how Toho goes from making Godzilla in 1954 to uh, to Godzilla versus King Kong. But you know, you um, part of the reason we invited you on um, our, our our fifth episode where we covered uh, a Godzilla movies because, and, and you were the first person we reached out to for this month is or this double month as well, is because um, you kind of have a reputation in the Dissolve Facebook group where we met and and, and the Dissolve website as having a, a, a affinity and obsession with Godzilla movies, and I shared a little bit about um, you know. But about my history of, you know, falling in love with these movies, starting with King Kong versus Godzilla, and then part of my obsession kind of grew with how difficult these movies were to find. So it became less of a, I'm going to watch these movies and I like them, but it kind of became a mission, especially I'm, I'm older than both of you, of like going around Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, places that sold VHS tapes and trying to go through their collection to see if I could find one of the one of the movies that I was missing. Um, and you know, what's funny is as we were watching these movies too, I mean, that, that kind of difficulty to find these movies and get all of them in a good version, uh, essentially persisted until 2019 when Criterion released the, the Godzilla show, uh, collection that I think all of us are, are utilizing to some effect. I think I'm watching, I, Zach and I both have the set and I think you're, uh, Peter, you're watching the Criterion versions that, uh, are on the Criterion channel. Yeah, there are way more. <clears throat> I mean, certain movies like we'll discuss King Kong versus Godzilla, obviously not as readily available, but like most of the movies from this era are all way easier to find than when I first tried watching Godzilla yeah. movies. So it's pretty fantastic that I was like, I had a choice. Like on HBO Max, I was like, ah, oh, this is the dub, and then I was like, oh, I have a Criterion subscription. I can just <laughs> hop over there and, and and watch the actual sub and beautiful HD. Yeah, and in and in what is it? Uh, Toho. What what do they call the widescreen? I know I've seen enough of these movies. Toho scope. 
telescope, which is I mean amazing. Like it's it's really good, you know, two two point three five uh, widescreen as yeah. opposed to like the boxy uh, pan scan versions that we watched or some of us watched growing up. So, but Zach, tell us a little bit because you you have a large affinity. I think like myself, you are you are very generous in your scoring on these that you yeah. know, I, I, I kind of think there's no bad in the same way I think that the that all Bond movies start at three stars uh, I kind of feel the same way about Godzilla like if it features Godzilla even yeah, the ones I'm, I don't particularly care for I mean I always enjoy them I'm, I'm kind of the same way with Bond as well but yeah no I've I've uh, I didn't I didn't watch him as a kid I mean I was aware of Godzilla as a kid but I didn't watch them um, they just weren't available to me, but uh, as I don't know, in college or shortly thereafter, you know, it was uh, it was I want to say it might have been uh, James Rolfe, um, the angry video game nerd, would do like the Monster Madness uh, videos every October, like one yeah. every day. Oh yeah, and. and and one month he did Godzilla. Um, so, you know, it kind of worked out to where, like, at the time, I think there was enough movies that he could basically do one every day and cover the whole series with a couple days to spare. Um, and and I think he covered, you know, like, the uh, the American like one as Dan well. Dan and Mothra or something. Yeah, this would have been before um, the reboot. Um, or the American reboot in 2014. But... Um, so that didn't exist, but he, you know, I think, I think that, I think that comes out to 27 films total, if I'm not from counting, right. Or 28. Um, but I, so I watched those and, you know, they really got my, they got my interest. I'm like, Oh, I need to, I need to, I really, I really want to track these down. I think around that time also, um, Criterion released the Blu-ray of the original film. Yeah, that was in 2014. We were talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess that I, was probably I picked in... that back in 2014, and that's when I started watching Godzilla movies because, like, oh wait, they can they can actually look nice now. Yeah, so I so I picked that up um, off the excitement of having watched those little you know featurettes uh, that uh, James Rolfe produced, and um, I worked also at Fye, which I don't know how. I don't know the extent to which they exist. There are still some in the country, but they're they've changed a lot. At the time, Fye was really like just like a big movie store. Like they had CDs, they had movies, they had some video games. They had uh, nowadays they're all just yeah. It was it was like Funko Pops. I was talking about uh, it was like a Suncoast, right? Like that's yeah, uh, same company, I believe. In fact, same like parent company. but yeah, nowadays they're just all Funko Pops and shirts. But at the time, they were really great if you if you wanted to get used Blu-rays or used DVDs or and, very expensive new ones. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. Um, but they had a ton. We had a ton of them uh, of the DVDs of these um, of the old movies. And so I started doing like kind of the math, and I'm like, all right, well, what ones all do we have? We had like a box set with just a random assortment of Showa films. Yep. Um, a gray is kind of a grayish box. Um, yeah. We had, a, a, so I remember you know, that one is a great big green Godzilla in a circle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was the thing too. That was true in the VHS era when I started buying them too, that like 
you would, because of the way that the rights were distributed to American yeah. companies, you would get a box set that would just be a random five and then another box set that <laughs> yeah. would be a random three. There, yeah, was, it there was, was no connectivity between right. like. It was like it wasn't the first six movies, but because I know a King Kong versus Godzilla wasn't in there, um, but so anyway, I, I could get like a pretty good selection. So I, I think I ended up getting most of them from the store I worked at, um, and then you know I figured from there I can find the missing ones. It was Godzilla versus Biollante had just come out on Blu-ray. And I bought it, and I've I've held on to that Blu-ray ever since. And it's uh, like at any point I could sell it and make like a couple hundred bucks. Cause it is yeah, not that cheap was these that, that's that's the one that's the one that's still ridiculously hard to get. Yeah. I have the Blu-ray as well. Um, it's also the one that has the hilarious back one that uh, says "Rated G for Godzilla-related <laughs> violence." It's, yeah, uh, but uh, it. Uh, that was that's my second favorite Godzilla movie after the first one, and I it, conveniently um, for me, uh, I, uh, really like Showa's probably. If I were to sit down and like rank them all, Showa would probably be my favorite era. Um, th- this for sounds everyone. It's either Showa or Hisei, right? Yeah. Okay. This sounds no one's like saying Millennium is their favorite. I do like Mill. I do like Millennium. I but do, but it's probably it's, the. It's right. probably like. The highs are better than are are higher than and a lot higher than the lows of Millennium. Like I think they're all fairly good, but like I think I think at its worst, it like uh, I don't yeah, know. Probably my very, least favorite very one like, comes from Millennium. If I'm it's very right. three to four stars across the board. Yeah, I think. Um, but collect. You know, eventually I was able to collect all of them up till that point around. I don't know when. It must have been 2014 because that's whenever the new one came out and the old Dissolve website did a like a week-long... I think it was the movie of the week, the original Godzilla. And so as a uh, like a little uh, project, I did, a, I, did, I did like a run of the whole series. You know, just a little paragraph or two write-ups on each film. Um, and uh, that's where I kind of gained my reputation as the Godzilla guy. Um, I, I mean, I do, I do like other, other, uh, Kaiju series. Like, you know, I'm a Gamera is cool. And I, the Daimajin trilogy is really good. I, 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 but nothing really compares to me to the Godzilla series. Um, just, just, uh, I think one of the best, uh, Probably I don't know if I would say it's my absolute favorite series of all time, but it's 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 in con- it's in contention. It's in the top three. I think it also just has an aggregate effect. Like one thing, as I'm going through a lot of these, um, again, you know, as, even though we're only doing a, you know four show uh, movies for the show, I've been watching a ton and also a, a ton of other Toho uh, Honda directed kaiju movies from the '60s that I never yeah. got around to, and it has like an I think good series can really like raise the the overall level of how much you enjoy them by based on just how much fun they are in aggregate. Like it's 
Yeah, when you go watch one, it's like, oh, cool, a Godzilla movie. And then you watch five or six and you're just kind of like, I don't know if it's Stockholm Syndrome or, or what. But, like, it is fun just to kind of go through and watch them all. There, It's the fun of a, a lot of movie series. And that was always the appeal of Godzilla even when I was a kid. And it was harder to get access to this. The idea that there was, you know, I talked about these Crestwood monster books that I read. And they're just, I knew there were tons of these movies out there. with, And I, you know, had the black and white photographs of of all the different scenes where they fought monsters. And so your imagination kind of runs a little wild about what these movies could contain. And so like, yeah, I mean, that was always something that was very appealing about, about the series. And one, again, I, I, um, I, uh, I haven't, it's not like I've shown my kids a few of the show ones. Um, I think I showed them destroy all monsters, which is actually not, not one of my favorites. Um, and a few other ones uh, a couple years ago when they were kind of well, – we were just watching a lot of Godzilla movies. And and they were fun, but there is something about, again, just watching a bunch in a row that has a has an appeal, which probably just harkens back to something else Peter and I were talking about. That, like, these were classic, you know, public access or, uh, you know, oh, yeah. s- cable staples of, like, they just run a bunch on a Sunday. So probably some of it is just something like Pavlovian of, like – recognizing that I shouldn't just be watching one Godzilla movie. I should be spending all day watching Godzilla movies because that's how TNT did it back in 1994. I The reason I stopped watching the Godzilla movies in 2014 to 2015 or so um, was because I disliked King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, and I didn't like it this time either. Um, but... Uh, I was very happy that I was both into uh, Invasion uh, of the Astro Monster, which I watched for the show. And then I was like, you know, I actually <laughs> I guess I skipped where uh, King Ghidorah was was uh, introduced. So I went back and watched uh, Ghidorah and I liked both of those quite a bit. Um, so I'll, I'll be a little I think um, more negative on King Kong versus Godzilla, but I'm going to at least be able to jump in on the love fest for some of these other Showa um, Godzilla movies because uh, Astro Monster was a blast. Well, you know, I'm glad to hear that because there is, you know, as we were playing this month, Peter, knowing that, you know, even though I know that you have affection for 2014 Godzilla and uh, a Shin Godzilla that you know and then pacific rim some of the other stuff that i that we're doing later that i know that you you have affection for you know i also recognize that like man if you're not into showa godzilla at all post the original these next couple of weeks are going to be some long weeks cuz we're doing <laughs> we're doing four movies uh and you know after you watch that are you going to be into the heisei and the millennium the you know uh series we're doing less movies there but it's still like seven total godzilla movies yeah welcome to my brain last night in the 20 minutes between uh when i I ended king kong versus godzilla and i started invasion of the astro monster (laughs) i was like uh uh uh, is this going to be just like a summer of me being a dickhead about Aaron's, like one of Aaron's favorite things? I was just going to say, I'm excited to hear more about King Kong versus Godzilla. Cause like I said, I mean, that is the first Godzilla movie that I ever saw and the one that I watched over and over. So I don't know if I have a little bit of my own Stockholm syndrome when it comes to like, just, or like, you know, uh, seeing that with rose colored glasses of a movie I loved when I was like in third and fourth grade and, and stuff like that. But I, 
you know, I, I still it's, – it's definitely one that's considered very positively by fans and usually considered one of the better ones of Showa. So I was very worried. Uh, I guess I didn't know that you had disliked it when you watched it back then. So I, I'm interested to hear um, what didn't work for you compared to, say, Invasion or even Ghidorah, the, the three-headed monster. But uh, I, I think before we do that, I do want to pick up a little bit where we left off. Zach, was there anything that you wanted to pick up or were you going to ask about King Kong? The, the, seri- the reason I like Showa so much more is actually probably part of what, what makes what you know ties into what Peter said. Like, Heisei, the, ser- the Heisei series and the Millennium series to an extent kind of like they're more uh oh that's not true the millennium series is not not this the heisei series is very like coherent it feels like an actual like series of films <laughs> like like in the in the normal <laughs> modern sense where like the first one you know the second one follows from the first one to an extent i mean not in a very serialized way but in the sense that like when they wrote, you know, the, each subsequent film, it does. There is a sense of uh, continuity. Uh, like there's a character that you know carries over from each film to the next, um, and uh, you know there's there's occasional references to things. Uh, Showa is like every film is very much its own thing, to the extent to the extent where um, outside of the general concepts there's really not a lot of cross-pollination between films outside of just the monsters existing. Yeah. And there's, and there's a, there's a cage. What's funny is it, it is sometimes they're like, Oh, like I watched, uh, uh, Ibera, uh, last night, which happens right after invasion of, um, the Astro monster. And that's kind of a funny one that like, you know, Godzilla is where he is at the end of, uh, invasion of the Astro Monster. Like, they have that part of continuity, and then they, you know, it, 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 it's very much a, a series not concerned with continuity that will yeah. use it if they if they feel like it, essentially. Well, it, not agree, unlike like, the Bond films. Like, yeah. There's an occasional bit of continuity, but it, it's absolutely never, like, important. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's starting to feel, it's starting to feel like an albatross around its neck as they're trying to do a connected series thing. But I, I, I think the producers are happy to have a reset button in the post Daniel Craig era. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Just, I, I think you're like, talking about Godzilla for a second. I was oh, no. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know no, if it's an albatross around their neck. Maybe you'll no, go no, down. No. And, then, and then what you were saying, Zach, is so funny to me because I watched... Um, invasion of the Astro Monster, and in like a one line, they establish that Godzilla and Rodan had fought. I at this point I had never seen Rodan, so I didn't know who the fuck they were talking about. I just knew that he was one of the this menagerie of monsters, right? Uh, and that Mothra, another person that I, I was like, yeah, I, I think it's just a big moth, right? Um, that was the extent of my knowledge, uh, had convinced them to stop fighting and to fight King Ghidorah uh, previously. And I was like, oh, man, I missed a lot in that movie I skipped <laughs> over. I better jump back. And I didn't. It's pretty much that. And then now I know that King Ghidorah arrived on a meteor. <laughs> yeah. the well, You know, we're, what's funny is we're doing... Just again, to limit to two official ones you have to cover, we're doing Terror of Mechagodzilla because I think it's a great ending to the Showa series and one of the best of the series, too. Um, but it's a direct sequel to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And 
Uh, I love, I really like Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. And yeah, if you're thinking about this from through the prism of like MCU and the way continuity even works later in the Godzilla films, there I'm sure there's a little bit of like, well, shouldn't I fucking watch Godzilla? If Terror of Mechagodzilla is a sequel to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, um, should I watch that? And functionally, all you need to know is that... In the previous movie, they someone made a robot Godzilla that he fought. Like that, that, yeah, that's all, even that you don't need to know. The the even the first time Rodan shows up in Godzilla is not his first appearance. His first appearance is in Rodan. Rodan, yeah. And the, then the, I realized the standalone I, film. I, I just, yeah, like, I realized that I, I was just like, oh, oh, I'm gonna keep digging this whole. Uh, backwards and the hole is going to be three, <laughs> six inches deep. Well, but you know, that's that's how I knew it didn't matter because to that that thing of like, as I was trying to collect these movies, they would come in box sets in no particular order. I watched these in, in insane order, right? Like, I think my first box that I got was had the King of the Monsters cut, um, Gigan, Megalon, uh, King Ghidorah and Godzilla 1985, which is the beginning of a new series. So, like, th- I, I still remember that being the first. Mo- so, I watched all those, and that has that's just like, well, here's Godzilla. Like, there's there's no my first exposure to King Ghidorah. I think was I I think was in Gigan. I, I think I watched that one before Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster. Um, and so yeah, like that's how I and I still fell in love with all these movies and I as I was finding them and purchasing them it was like I was watching them whatever order so I, I was watching you know he say series and then I was watching a show a series it was just trying to collect them and watch them so that's why you know for what it's worth Peter I knew at least a little bit that like you can suss out pretty easily what's going on in all of these series without having without having seen any any of the other ones it's, it's not unlike like wrestling where like if you follow it, yeah, you're going to get some cumulative effect. But you could also just, like, tune in any time, and the match will be pretty clear, like, what the narrative stakes are, what what yeah. the what the relationships are. Like, they're not, they're not, those, those things aren't going to be obscure in, yeah, in any given that, match. There's not that much human character crossover. The, the Heisei has a little bit of that, but it still doesn't Yeah, really oh, yeah, matter. like, in terms, of, in terms of, like, human characters, I think there's really just the one that really has any... Miki uh, Saigusa. In, what is funny Heisei. though, and my my letterbox uh, like recap of 2022 attests to this. Uh, the the actors are in all of them though. Yeah, they, they all play different people. But yeah. They're in so many of them. <laughs> I always find that very charming. Yeah, like um, how John Carpenter reuses actors and yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move into before we actually get into the movie. I want to talk a little bit about how we get to King Kong versus Godzilla because I think there's a there's a perception that essentially you know you know we have we took we talk, we did Godzilla we talked about Godzilla raids again. A little correction for myself as I was researching or reminding myself some of this. So you know Godzilla raids again was put into production immediately. Comes out like eleven months later in 1955. When it was released in America, I said it was minimal changes, and that's true. But it was originally re- the, the the one change is that they didn't call him Godzilla. It was it was released as Gigantus the Fire Monster, and the 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 it's dubbed, and the main change in the dub to change meaning is that it's not they call him Gigantus. So like that's how much America didn't give a shit about Godzilla. Besides just oh here's another monster they made they released the Godzilla sequel. And just named gave him a different name uh, and made it seem like it was a new monster movie because monster 
The only films I've seen the American cuts of are King Kong vs. Godzilla and Godzilla 2000. I've never seen I've never seen even the original. I've seen so I I mean VHS. So I watch all the both the American cuts and all um and all the um so I probably watched when I saw the uh, Godzilla raids again. I probably saw Gigantus the Fire Monster, and I didn't like. I knew that they were calling him Gigantus, but I knew enough to be like, "Well, that's just Godzilla." But there's a few others that were actually like changed some of the scenes and stuff. Like Ghidorah apparently has some scenes changed that like I didn't remember enough that um uh, that I uh, like recognized it from when I watched it in you know junior high and high school. But um, didn't didn't Corman import a lot of these and like kind of do reshoots? Uh... Well, no. It, so th- that's something we'll talk about too because it is very weird how they get released. You have like you know uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster, which gets rebranded as Monster Zero, um, comes out in 1970 to theaters, and then Ibera, um, uh, uh which it came out after Invasion of the Astro Monster doesn't get released to theaters, but gets released to TV two years before um, before Monster Zero. So, like, the thing is, Toho is literally just selling the rights to whoever wants it based on popularity. And then, you know, it's coming years after as well. So they've what's the story of Godzilla movies, especially in the Showa era, you know, it really has always been a complete clusterfuck to see these movies in the United States up until Criterion kind of put them all together in, in one box set. But anyways, so they make Godzilla Raids again and Godzilla Raids again is not all that popular and Toho moves on. They, they It's not like they're making Godzilla sequels or have that plan. There's a there's a. Uh, a seven-year gap in between Godzilla Raids again and King Kong Godzilla, and they just start making more monster movies. Godzilla was one of them, um, and they start making stuff like uh, Varen, they make um, Rodan, they make Mothra. These are, you know, kaiju movies, but they're unconnected to, at the time, the Godzilla universe. And, you know, uh, Shiro Honda is uh, directing a lot of them, and they have other people, but they're just kind of focused on making more kaiju movies with this kind of production team and group and, and stuff like that. Um, and some of them are really some of the whole the the way that they were like prioritizing movies that Toho was is so funny. Like I know we'll get to it, but like they rush Ghidorah into production because uh, Redbeard was going to get delayed by six months. So they're like, "Fuck, we got to make another Godzilla movie quick." Um, so, but the thing that Toho is really obsessed about, uh, which makes sense because they are really focused on making giant monster movies, is they're obsessed with getting the rights to making a King Kong movie. Um, they are just – they really want to do a King Kong movie and they're working with like RKO or – I think RKO still had the rights in the, in the 60s to get the rights to do their own King Kong movie. Uh, and they finally do in the, in the early 60s get the rights and have decided they want King Kong to fight. They don't want to just do a remake of, of the original King Kong. They want to get King Kong to fight someone. And so their idea initially is that they that King Kong fights a giant version of Frankenstein. Uh, and it was called King Kong versus Prometheus. And uh, and while you may think that's funny, they do have a Frankenstein, a giant Frankenstein that comes in a later movie that fights a dinosaur. Uh that that Honda directs a few years later, but that's what. So they they go into script, they start making, it, and they're doing King Kong versus the Prometheus, um, you know, a, a a giant ape 
that sometimes seems like a man and a man that's been put back together, um, which I, I would still like to see that movie. That sounds very interesting. Um, although I guess it probably was repurposed as King Kong Escapes, which I'll talk about uh, later. Um, but they eventually they scrapped that idea. They realized that won't be in. And literally it, it is a, oh, maybe we should do a bring Godzilla back for this. So even this being the Godzilla movie that kind of kicks off the, the, the really like, you know, sometimes twice a year releasing Godzilla movies, they release, what is it, um, 13 movies over 11 years between 1962 and 1973, or Godzilla movies, and they start adding all their other monsters into into this series, really kicked off as just a, as, as Toho being like, fuck, we want to make a King Kong movie. How do we what what do we do with that? And then the Frankenstein idea falling through and throwing in Godzilla into the script in the last minute, which is so funny because like when you look at these when you look at this movie and and when I watched it as a kid, um, like Godzilla is very well served, I think, for the most part by this script. If you're a Kong head <laughs> and you're watching this movie for King Kong, um I think you'll either be confused, uh, indifferent, or angry <laughs> because uh, the suit design's terrible and they give him weirdo powers just because they, they're they like, well, fuck, he's fighting Godzilla. I guess he's powered by electricity. We'll talk Some about of, stuff in a second. Well, but, the electricity power was a holdover from the Frankenstein concept. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Like, I love the idea that Godzilla hates electricity. So obviously lizards hate electricity, but you know who loves electricity? Mammals. <laughs> um, electricity mostly powers <laughs> up animals. If you didn't notice, like you know, hold on, like they explain in the e- in, in, in the in the movie, like an electric eel, Peter. Mm-hmm. Didn't you see uh, the Edison sequels to electric- electrocuting an elephant? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those fucking gorillas loved being electric shocked. One of my favorite parts, and this is legitimately one of my favorite parts of this series, is the way that people explain giant logic and plot leaps with one sentence that are just like, oh, yeah, because it's this. I I absolutely – one of my favorite things that's ever happened in movie history is like this is what the third movie. It's the third King Kong movie and the third Godzilla movie. And Well, first first Toho. And it – oh, okay. King Kong movie, yeah. Yeah, and then the – because it was King Kong and the Son of Kong, right? And then the yeah, but those those were archaic. They literally just bought the rights. Like this yeah, isn't yeah, this yeah. isn't technically or uh, loaned the rights. This isn't yeah. technically supposed to be connected to those movies. Yeah, and not then that, obviously not that it matters, it, it, about ten oh, ten years later, maybe uh, America would have its own uh, King Kong remake that would be um, similarly uh, divisive uh, or yeah. sorry, divisively received. I think. Um, so uh, big for growth heads. Yeah. <laughs> um fuck I, I lost my lost my train of thought um but yeah this is uh you said one of your favorite has, parts in any of these movies or whatever so. oh my favorite parts in any of these movies thank you it was uh the scientist is being interviewed by reporters and he and uh he's not supposed to be like a creepy scientist like sarah zawa in the last one or whatever he's just supposed or the first one i guess um He's he's just supposed to be like uh you know a common sense kind of kind of scientist type and they're like 
uh, do you think Godzilla will come to Tokyo? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely, dude. Like he's totally <laughs> coming here. Like he doesn't try and he doesn't try and like play any political games like we would get in some of the later ones. He doesn't try like he doesn't try and like calm anyone's fears. He's just like, oh yeah, Godzilla's coming right here, dude. This film is pretty much the beginning of the of the Showa era tradition yeah. that like everyone, even though even though like these monsters are deadly and destroying their cities everyone kind of like i mean i already mentioned it once they kind of treat them like professional wrestlers in that like they are more than happy to ascribe you know human characteristics to them and uh, and, and assume they know how how they're going to react to things um yeah and kind of just like discuss the monsters like like their characters even though in the world they live in they are giant monsters who will kill them. Well, and, and, it's, and it's kind of funny that the the towns themselves are in this one, unlike the last one, where tragedy would happen and we'd have time to process and there'd be actual bodies and people in triage and, and people being People screaming alive. mom because their parents have been killed. Yeah. Don't worry, honey. You'll be with daddy soon, um, is the quote from uh, the, uh, the first Godzilla movie, right? Yeah. Um, and despite all of that, the houses in, in most of this movie, the houses and the and stuff getting blown up, it, it seems to imply that they're like unoccupied. Well, <laughs> you mean you got to think about it. If 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 twice in your history, giant monsters had destroyed large swaths of the country, they'd have to come up with some sort of like response they mechanism. Do have alarms blaring. Yeah. So like, I mean, I, I I've yeah. always took it as. Well, they've learned how they've adapted to the fact that, like, at any moment, <coughs> giant monsters could destroy everything, so they get out of there cr- quickly. And it's something that kind of bothers me, though, about the these later ones is that they are so light and so geared towards kids. And I like some of the silly stuff. Like, I love dancing Godzilla in um, the latter movie we're going to be discussing today. Um, I love how Godzilla is kind of like a cute defender of Earth. Um, eventually, like, I, I I'm fine with that a tonal direction. What I'm I'm not totally fine with or totally psyched about is losing any of the sort of dramatic impact because there's only one scene in the movie where I feel like people are in danger. Well, you're going to need to get rid of that inhibition. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one scene where people are in danger and it's when they're recreating um, in their own way. Uh, The King Kong adopts a girlfriend scene from um, King Kong uh by king kong picks up a train full of people that are fleeing Tokyo, and it's actually like compelling and creepy because you know it's full of people and like the shot of like all these people crammed in a in a especially like like when you've ridden public transportation thousands of times in your life yeah like the idea of just being in one of those and it's just getting suspended hundreds of feet in the air and then king kong's just like i just want this one woman out of there like that's a that's it's 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 it, 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 it involves me. It's dramatically compelling as an idea that like my my life might be even threatened. I think the prelude to that is also very is also very um, scary when uh, the neighbor comes home or the sister or whatever and is like, "Oh, I, we thought you were dead on that boat that sunk." Um, to her her boyfriend, she went to go look for you. Like, um, but I, you know, like I think that does add a level of like danger and compellingness there. 
I do think you're right, though, Zach, that this is this is like marks the full transition into what we call the Showa era, because Godzilla Raids, again, really was still like there seems to take place at night. It's, it's supposed to be terrifying. There's supposed to be a death toll. It is monster versus monster. But you're right. It doesn't have the wrestler sense of like what happens when these two cool looking guys, how are they going to fight? And this is still this is kind of stepping into um, the full show, Showa era. And I think that's really defined by a few things we're about to see a lot of through this. One is that, you know, we talked about in Godzilla in 1954 that so many of the scenes in, of destruction take place at night. So besides the toll and the real terror, which I think this is basically the last vestigial part of in some of the train scenes and, and some of the other danger scenes, um, you also have most scenes taking place in broad broad daylight um and so it takes and that that combined with what zach noted that they start taking on more um human qualities they have they've especially in later movies as you already saw with invasion of the astro monster they redesigned the suit to make it more of a like dog or or have a more of a recognizable human connection face with bigger eyes and and some other things Godzilla makes like a put him put up your dukes and, and really starts acting more like a human in a suit as opposed to um, as opposed to a a monster that they're using the pseudomation technique uh, for. And then eventually where they really, you know, we saw in Ghidorah, they start leaning into um the idea of Godzilla as a protector, first a a dangerous protector that is still we're uncertain of where he sides and he's still a dangerous monster to eventually just literally a superhero who people who children call on uh, to to save the day. The other thing that we're about that this is the last movie that we're officially covering that um, that touches on is the social commentary stuff goes away for the most part as well. I actually think this movie and then uh, and the next one especially, Mothra versus Godzilla, are the kind of last parts of the you know the social commentary that existed in um, in the original Godzilla. This one a little bit more about. Um, uh, around corporations and the idea of the corporation who's trying to use King Kong as a product and kind of the the capitalism uh, the capitalism idea that like death and destruction is is worth it if we can you know the 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 pharmaceutical owner or whatever the the CEO yelling at the screen because Godzilla's killing more people and getting more attention like that was very specific commentary by by Honda and the makers of this movie Godzilla versus Mothra is leans into that or Mothra versus Godzilla the next movie. Uh, leans into that extremely hard. Both uh, it really uh, highlights the the nuclear component, the idea of of uh, using Mothra's eggs for capitalist purposes and corporate, you know, as a corporate slogan and stuff like that. So you know, these next this movie and the next one do still have that idea of like Godzilla as social commentary that also goes away pretty quickly after those movies. Now. I think you're right, Peter, that there's something that is lost there. There's a reason why I think the original Godzilla is an unequivocal masterpiece uh, of tone and, you know, uh, and and message and, and special effects and horror and all the other things that is probably the best of the 50 – I mean, not probably, def, almost definitely is the best of the 50s and 60s giant monster message movies. Um but I do think that you know what you do end up getting is a is a is very charming and a lot of fun. But you really do have to pivot. What what is your focus? Because uh, and what do you what do you 
need out of these movies because as Zach said, if you don't shed the idea of like, I need social commentary, I need terrifying scenes and, and instead start like, for me, like the technical appreciation shifts towards how they do the miniatures, the way these giant sets are built, the way that they choreograph these like people in fight, you know, these more and more elaborate monster fights and, and less towards the, a destructive terror of the first one. Yeah, I just it, I'm I'm kind of okay with it becoming less about social commentary and more about big big broad action, but that does make my expectations it doesn't mean that my expectations go away. It just means yeah. that they adjust, right? And and one of my expectations going forward is plenty of action and uh that there's some sense of danger. There's some sense that I get emotionally I feel emotionally compelled. Um not necessarily for me personally, but like I'm emotionally compelled uh to continue watching because I'm like, oh, yeah, I can connect with this struggle on some sort of level, which I just I I don't get in King Kong versus Godzilla, but I've gotten out of all the other Godzilla movies I've watched. One thing, um, obviously, the Godzilla '98. Yeah. One thing that occurred to me uh, while we're talking is that, you know, I mentioned the the thing about the kind of a weird approach to continuity in Showa, and is that like, well, the film does like Godzilla's introduction in this film picks up from where we saw him at the end of raids again which is frozen in an iceberg yeah um and uh i think if you could describe the continuity of showa era in any one way it's that there is continuity for the monsters and and none for everything else um like for like and that's a good example like the last time we saw Godzilla, he was frozen in an iceberg. So when we see him in this film, he's melted. The iceberg is melted and he's freed. Um, another example of that is like, y- you really can only notice this if you watch them all in order. But like Mothra has a very like strict life cycle that they do not deviate from a bit. So if like the last film had Mothra in her moth form and... Usually Mothra dies. <laughs> yeah, Mothra dies all the time. What's, so what's funny is that um, in yeah, you're you're 100 right. Um, and there's sometimes they shift that a little bit because in 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 Mothra um, versus uh, versus Godzilla, there's an egg that births two mo- two baby Mothras, right? And then they uh, they. There, there's an older Mothra, the one that's at the end of the Mothra movie, who bursts the egg. So there's – you have two baby ones. You have the Mothra. At the end, the Mothra dies and there's two. What's really funny is that – I don't know if you guys caught this in, in, in Ghidorah. I guess, Zach, I don't know if you watched that recently, but I know Peter did. Someone, someone asked like the twins where the other Mothra went because now there's just the one worm, the, the one caterpillar larva Mothra and they just go, oh, it died. Yeah, but there will be like, like they don't they, movies. Some, somewhere yeah. they do, but they yeah they do they do from a continuity standpoint they go well hey last time we saw the Mothra larva there was two of them and so someone asked in this movie and they go yep yeah, yeah I, some off screen it, it plays into the plot because I watched this movie about a couple hours ago it plays into the plot because um, I, I think it helps motivate Godzilla and Rodan to into action because they're just watching this fucking like maggot caterpillar thing crawl across the ground and they're like that thing is going to get stomped by Ghidorah. Yeah, like we got to do something. Yeah, there are entire films in the Showa series where Mothra 
is not a moth, is a caterpillar yeah, that, uh, the entire time. Yeah, that's what happens in Ghidorah. Yeah, and then he shows... Uh, Ghidorah, yeah. She because shows up they... again in Ghidorah and then yeah. turns from turns from the larval stage to to moth in uh, Ibera. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, that's a really good call out, uh, Zach, that the, the, and like moth, Godzilla wakes up where he left off in Ibera and then, you know, there, there is a continuity and eventually that gets easier too, because eventually in the back half of the series, all the monsters just kind of hang out on Monster Island. <laughs> Or whatever. So they're all they're always in the same place. As a matter of fact, everyone's like it just becomes like Isle, like Sorna in the the two the first Jurassic Park sequels of like that's where the dinosaurs are. No one, no one go there. Peter and Zach, are you guys ready to talk about King Kong versus Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, let's start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck up, Simon says, get the fuck up, throw your hands in the sky. Weezes in the back, sipping yak, y'all, what's up? Girls, rub on your titties. Yeah, yeah I said it, rub on your titties. New York City, pretty committee, pity the food that Uh, yeah, so, yeah, King Kong vs. Godzilla. So, we, I think we, so I know Peter just watched the original Japanese cut, so let's, I watched both. Zach, did you did you end up just watched, watching one? I've seen both cuts because for years the only cut available yeah. in America was the American cut, and even still in the Criterion set, it's, it's the American really, the cut Jap- is the American it, cut is what's featured. Yeah. The Japanese cut is a bonus feature. Yeah, but so yeah, so I let's talk quickly about that. So famously, uh, this movie comes out in America, and just like Godzilla 1954, they add a bunch of Americanisms into it. So, yeah, it's uh, like refilmed scenes. They refilmed scenes. They have this news broadcast that frames everything up. It's not as intrusive as Godzilla King of the Monsters, where everything becomes a, 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 a past tense narration by Raymond Burr's character, where he's just like these two kids, crazy. Yeah, no, um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's like in terms of that. Th- I don't. I don't like it. But in terms of like doing that, doing that kind of Americanizing of it, I don't think it's like as bad as it could be. Like it, it wasn't watching the American version first for the first time in, I don't know, maybe 10 years, even though like, like you said, not only have I seen this one before, I've seen it probably three to four. It's probably a movie I've seen the most in my life. If I had been keeping letterbox since I was a child, just because I watched it over and over and over again. So I was, I was kind of thinking like watching the American version first for the first time in a while, and seeing all the times that like action would happen, it would cut to this hilarious, like in retrospect, very hilarious news report of like there's a scientist who they bring on to explain Godzilla that is knows thing. First of all, no one's ever heard of Godzilla in the newsroom, even though the Japanese characters know exactly who he was from the first movie, and they're they're just constantly pontificating about random stuff that's happening in the movie. Again, as a kid, I. I thought it was doing what Invasion of the Astral Monster actually does, which is that, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla. You have a Godzilla, which is a, a Japanese character, and you have a um you have King Kong, which is an American character, and they're they're having a mix, right? Like we see the the sub filled with um, Americans in the movie. Like it 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 actually didn't seem that 
out of place to me that that was actually the version. Now, I knew from the Quest Crestwood Monster Books, which is actually responsible for starting a, a wildly incorrect uh, urban legend that it is not true, <laughs> um, was that the, the difference between the cuts was only in the ending, that in the Japanese cut, uh, Godzilla wins, and in the American cut, King Kong wins. So from those books... Uh, that was what I thought the difference was between uh, between the two versions. And so as a kid, I really thought that the American version was the Japanese version. It wasn't until I got older and kind of heard that it was more heavily recut and also rewatched it as an adult and realizing how things didn't quite fit. In the same way, like we were talking about last week, like I had no idea that Godzilla King of the Monsters was – like when I first watched it, I didn't really know that uh, Steve Martin, Raymond Burr's character was not in the actual movie. You know, I, I recognized that some people were dubbed because they were likely speaking Japanese, but it, you know, it didn't, it doesn't feel as out of place being older and just also understanding what happened. And now it's, it feels incredibly obvious. So to, to Zach's point, even when, uh, you know, the Godzilla Japanese, the original Japanese cut finally became available in 2004, the King Kong and Godzilla rights have, for the most part, been really different. Uh, I think they've been owned by MGM, uh, which I think bought the RKO stuff at some point. That 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 may be slightly inaccurate, but um, so even when like New World Pictures and some of these other boutiques that, uh, that went out of business that bought random Godzilla movies, eventually those rights kind of reverted back. But King Kong has kind of stayed with uh, MGM for a long time. And so um, – and then I think eventually got transferred to Warner Brothers. So the rights to this movie have always been a little bit tougher to come by. So it hasn't ever really received that release, even to Peter's point where, where even though it was released on the Criterion set – um, it's the only one that's not available on streaming in any platform. You can't rent or buy it. You also can't watch it on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel where all the other ones are, which also indicates some weird rights because I think the white rights have reverted to Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers owns HBO Max. So it, it's it's very weird why this one has always been uh, hard to find. But yeah, it wasn't until 2019 that there was any official release of the Japanese Cut. So I was watching it for the first time and I can confirm that some of the things that I was assuming was the case, like cutting away from action scenes to have an American news reporter go, Godzilla, trample the building. Things are getting crazy. That uh, it's actually the, the scenes do cut that out of those scenes the same way in the Japanese version. It just isn't cutting to to a, 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 a ill-informed news broadcast. Yeah. I also I noticed um, like on the Criterion bonus disc that has the Japanese cut. Uh, not so. Th- it's 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 in pretty good quality except for any of the footage that was cut from the American cut is not in very great quality and it's, so it's really obvious what was cut um, just because there's a dip in image quality every time it, sh- it cuts to that footage and like I I mentioned this I mentioned this to Peter last night is that like for a lot of it is it's it's stuff that's like. I don't mean this to say that it should have been cut. I just mean that, like, it's not like it's just random stuff. Like, like a character makes himself lunch, or like the, there's like a, four or five different instances where it's like a mention or, or 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 something related to food 
to where it seems like they just were afraid if they showed Japanese food to Americans, they would revolt. They would be, no, we don't want this. I don't know what the deal was there. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, small shots of just, like... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the real reason they were cut is because they could easily be trimmed without any effect on the plot or the, you know, the, the action. Um, but it is, like... It's the kind of stuff that always gets cut in these kind of circumstances. And when you watch it, you you, you do kind of think like, okay, I see why that was cut. But also, like, it's definitely texture that makes it feel more like, like, an, it feels a little more like real. I, I mean, real is not the word, but like, yeah, the, it, it's just a, like a, a nice little, is a certain like, a lot of, I think... <laughs> You know, perception of a lot of, like, old science fiction, uh, pre-2001 Space Odyssey science fiction especially, is that it's all kind of, like, um, choppy, it's, it's, it's not very elegant, there's not a lot of, you know, normal human behavior, it's a lot of, like, very clipped, efficient this is happening. This is, you know, the lob is coming to get us. We have to, you know, and when you, when you watch it, when you watch a lot of it, um, as it's been, you know, chopped down by, you know, distributors over the years to make it shorter, to sell more pictures or by, you know, importers, you can kind of, you can see where that perception comes from. And then when you see full cuts of, you know, the actual full thing, you're, there's a lot more texture that feels like, you know, like the stuff of good drama, yeah. That that got cut because that was easy to cut because it it didn't have a blob or a man in a suit or you know or or clearly advancing the plot in a specific yeah. Way. In some ways, it, though, what's what's interesting about it though is that like I do think so. You know, the in the American cut, it is about twenty minutes of this news, and they do bring for what it's worth. Like it's not worth much, but like they do again. Adding to my confusion as to like, oh, this must be part of the movie. One of the the two main experts the news reporter brings on is a Japanese American. So, you know, I that that you know, it's it's an actor who speaks English and is is from America, from what I was reading. But obviously, he's he's the he's the scientist in Toho or in, in Tokyo. They keep coming to, so. Um, so it, it did seem a little more seamless and, he, and he, he's offering perspective of like uh, Tokyo's and uh, Japan's history with Godzilla and what they're going to do in the cities. He's like the reporter on the scene as part of this worldwide thing. And I, I do think that from a kid watching this and also watching it with little siblings because I, I was the oldest in my family and my younger brothers who were you know probably like when, when I watched this when I was nine were seven and five respectively also loved it I do think the even though they're really quaint and silly I do think the cutting back to the new scenes to explain a little bit about Godzilla and King Kong and some of the other things and like what they're trying to do on the island and what the berries are as part of like this you know this news report i do think that helped me as a nine-year-old get really sucked into the movie because i'm 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 almost having like an adult explain the movie to me if that you know as as it's going on like someone's like these berries puts it on puts a big thing at the tables these are a prized possession and like you know i 
So in a way, I think part of the reason why a lot of people have a affection for King Kong versus Godzilla is not just because they're both very recognizable monsters that it's easy to be aware of a lot as a kid before you ever see any of the movies that, that feature them, but also because the American cut was really helpful to get kids who hadn't seen any of the other movies uh, on on board with some of the more silly or complicated or adult premises, like I don't like I don't think I knew what a pharmaceutical company was, but you know, but but understanding that they wanted to get Kong um, to sell something as the newspaper or the 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 TV report explains it, well, that I can understand. <laughs> yeah, we can do a quick. So basically, it's just worth noting. The American version just takes 20 minutes of a little bit of the background of the characters. Like it really – and adds adds news reports to it. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't fundamentally change the arc of the movie. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, the last 20 or 30 minutes is essentially the exact same. Like because the news reports don't cut in at the end of the movie – or in you're in the third act of the movie and it's it's essentially unchanged with the exception of they made a bigger earthquake in the America they cut they cut in some scenes from uh, other movie I forget what movie it was that had an earthquake and they they added it in they're like yeah, they're like well we should have we should have bigger rocks falling for longer <laughs> and to, to really quickly touch on that myth um Aaron that um one ending uh, has Godzilla winning and one ending has uh, King Kong ending uh, uh, winning. Um, I think that that would be like pretty cool if they actually had done that back in the day, but it only would be cooler to me if I considered King Kong like a truly American like monster. Yeah. <clears throat> like, whereas I consider King Kong as somebody who's seen the movie King Kong, uh, I consider him uh, somebody who <laughs> is a Skull Island resident. Who was taken as a entertainment slave to the Americas and yeah. did not like it very immigrants. Much. We get the job done, right? <laughs> not if you think about it. About it. <laughs> King Kong was really the first Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Both go to Broadway. I guess huh? I can I can give the the basic outline. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what happens in the in the movie. A sort of Mister Wizard esque. TV show run by a pharmaceutical company is doing very poorly in the ratings <laughs> and they catch wind of some 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 ex, some supernatural crazy events going on on a on an island Faroe Island is what it's called um, and so they send two of the guys there to kind of on, on remote to to go ch check out this, check out what's going on there to hopefully boost their ratings. They get there and it's more or less a remake of uh, a very quick and efficient remake of the plot of uh, the Skull Island portion of the original King Kong. They yeah. go there, they meet the tribe, the tribe, you know, summons, uh, has a sacrifice for Kong. We, uh, well, let's pause there for a sec. So this is something, and I don't know if it's because it was the first time I watched it in HD and it feels embarrassing I didn't notice you because I have. I think I did see this movie like in college a couple times too. Did not realize that was blackface. Oh, yeah. No, they – I don't know that I've ever seen like non-white people doing brownface before. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the it's, – yeah, they're all Japanese actors 
dress yeah, up as these I don't think that items. necessarily makes it better. No, no, not, yeah. no, not at all. But it, um, it's definitely, it definitely is that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's something that I was not aware of in 2014, but that there's a a, a, a social cultural context, uh, a social and political context in which. Like Japanese people, and many Japanese people consider themselves to have a racial superiority other other ethnic groups in the Southeast, yeah. especially like Polynesians and certain Pacific Islanders. Um, so like that was just something that I didn't have as much racial context on uh, about eight years ago. Yeah. And, and now it's especially stirring where they're like, oh, they're exoticizing them the same way that Western culture was. And they're probably exoticizing them in similar ways because of Western culture. Yeah. Well, and I think do a lot of our education that at least when I was younger, they were still allowed to teach in school. I don't know if they're allowed to when you're listening to this now, but like was about like European and American and thus uh, American racism so it's yeah i mean i don't think you're really taught like other other cultures racial uh racial biases or or or, you know institutional racism or stuff like that comment on the oh uh, yeah yeah but it's touch on it definitely is brown face (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, i just yeah it was something that was like the first you know as i was watching it this time oh Wait, it's very it's not it's it's not a uh, culturally sensitive. No, not not what I remembered. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of it's kind of a something that kind of follows King Kong as long as they continue. Oh, yeah. To, I mean, even so, in some ways, the 2005 one, right? Like it, yeah. it is following the historical tradition of portraying a very a very problematic Skull Island. Yeah, <laughs> even Kong Skull Island, to an extent, has to kind of reckon with it. Um yeah, Kong Skull oh, does it? like makes the Skull Island. Ref- I think it makes the it makes the residents of the islands in, in the island into actual people, yeah. and they're not just like monsters. Yeah. But there's definitely some like white condescension going on there that I would need to see the movie to unpack fully. But like, I watched it recently with uh, with my my kids, and I remember thinking it did okay. Where 2005 better, did not. Yeah, on a relative because scale. it it definitely <laughs> tries to kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like so Skull Island's kind of like half uh, Vietnam, yeah. Metaphor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it still falls. I mean, even 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 the most well-meaning Vietnam movies kind of fall prey to the the story is even even though it's about their their trauma or their them as oppressors, it's still about the oppressors. Yeah. I, like I mean, I guess still some colonialism <laughs> and baked into yeah. any movie. Look, I, look, I definitely am not going to be the arbiter of whether where Skull Island is like how it's, <laughs> how it's viewed. I will just say, as someone who watched it, I was I was impressed. And then I rewatch, I re I rewatched King Kong, the Peter Jackson one, and I'm like, oh my god. And I kind of remember from the time Peter Jackson was like, well, you don't understand, we remade the original. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Cool, Peter Jackson. Because <laughs> yeah. um, um, he made the Skull Island residents in – he just – it, it's arguably worse than the 1930s one because at least in the 1930s one, they were people in the – we talked about this in our King Kong episode extensively. But um, in the 2005 one, they're like monsters from yeah. the descent. They're basically orcs. They – these uh, TV hosts – who work for a pharmaceutical company, go to Faroe Island. 
I have no idea why it's called Faroe Island. I guess they just didn't want to call it Skull Island. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't figure that out because, like, if they were brazen enough to use King Kong, why not just use all the? King I mean, they Kong? had the rights. Well, what's yeah. really funny in King Kong es- Escapes, which I watched as well, just finished it yesterday. They, it would just no relation to this movie besides Ishiro Hondo directed it, and it was kind of t- yeah. they took some of the plot points they had written for the uh, Prometheus one, but they also don't use Skull Island as just a different name of an island than the, these two. Um, I, I think I think it really was like uh, they didn't have computers and it was hard to find out what things they had called in previous <laughs> Probably. Times. Like, we're not going to so- pull out the projector and find <laughs> the film reels and what, yeah. like, who cares? Who could so- possibly check up on what it is? So they go to... Uh- Faroe Island. They 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 discover Kong. Uh, Kong saves this island from a gigantic octopus. In an honestly, an effect that is both very like simple. It's just a real octopus cl- crawling over miniatures. That still is honestly very good. Like I think it looks very. I, I like it. I, I like it's the best special effect in the except for the castle getting destroyed at the end. Uh, it's the best special effect in the movie. I, I think, think it helps because... that octopuses are very strange creatures. Yeah, yeah. So that even so, like, and honestly, like the octopuses come in such a broad like array of sizes, and they still look the same. Like very small octopuses have just are essentially shrunk down versions of the real big ones like there's not a lot of it's just you know they're scaled down there so i think it works to scale it up you know at least with force perspective and trickery um they also move in a kind of a weird lugubrious kind of crawl that i think befits the something that at large is that's supposed to be but anyway that feels like no i think that's important to stop on because it's it's an it's a really neato old school special effect and that feels like the true legacy from King Kong, which is using cool compositing tricks to make yep. something very small appear huge because you put a composite image over a live action footage of, of full size people. And like the moment where Kong chucks that big piece of, of like, um, I don't know, like, like <laughs> guard equipment like railing equipment to keep him where he's supposed to be uh, uh, right in front of that thing and it kind of reacts it's really cool even though you can tell those things are not in the same shot at all it's it, it, that's that's the king kong legacy there um because I, I, don't, I don't see it in the suit yeah this i mean here what's in what's completely insane let's talk about the suit the suit is garbage and it the, if, if you're like man this suit looks like a giant piece of shit one thing that I think would help you is to watch Godzilla or King Kong Escapes because somehow five years later they made a much worse fucking suit. And uh, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it's something where they're just like, well, look, I don't we're really good at reptiles here at Toho Studios. Mammals? We're trying our best. But it's so funny that they were obsessed with making a King Kong. They just wanted to make King Kong movies and fought forever. And then, and then both times they just made a giant piece of shit for the I, I said I said to some I said to you guys, I think it, it looks it looks very similar to how Donkey Kong's original design and the arcade Donkey Kong looked, which makes me think like. Is that, you know, like, different cultures have their different, like, kind of accepted ideas of how things sound or look. Is that just what a... Is that just, like, the the Japanese 
standard image of a gorilla because like <laughs> they it, are very far it's, i mean it's like, weird how similar it looks to donkey kong's original design like before rare redesigned him which is then kind of carried forward the original donkey kong is very goofy looking and, and doesn't look at all like a gorilla but looks like has the same kind of like i don't know it could very well be that this film is why donkey kong looks the way he does now that i think about it but like it's very uh it's very dopey like it like it has the very like these sloped shoulders that don't in any way suggest the the power of a gorilla <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a guy in a suit i know i i'm aware but like I, I, yeah but like they managed to the reason that it's disappointing is not for any particular the reason it's disappointing is not for any particular like realism reasons it's that they managed to very effortlessly not effortlessly with a great amount of effort but like in a very simple way i should say uh, elegantly simple um add humanity and um life to godzilla just with like opening his mouth having him do those sumo wrestler kind of waddle and with those eyes that move in certain shots. Like so, yeah, with, with, with a very, a very small set of moves, they can make Godzilla seem alive, alive. I agree. And alive. also it is disappointing because I think this is the best that Godzilla looks in color until you get into the Heisei series. Like I really, I well, they actually use the same suit for like years. So, I mean, that's part of it is that the suit degraded over time. <laughs> well, no, they actually uh, in in uh, Mothra they redesigned the suit. Oh, maybe that was, maybe, but yeah, which is the next so that Mo- Mothra, that Mothra suit was used then, for like, um, and then Sea Monster or sorry, uh, Ibera they redesign it, and then Ibera gives the the kind of weird thinny like underbite one that really is designed to make him look more like a, a good guy and a. Um, humanize them that's that's kind of candidly like i i really hate that suit like i love the movies but when you look at something like where they had like the suit that was used in this movie um and then the design that they end up going with it's kind of a like the rubber sticks out more it's kind of it's weirdly shaped it's like someone who's never exercised I, like i i don't know like i don't but it's but it but generally eats healthy like i i don't like I, I think that's what stinks about it. I, again, I don't, I don't think that Godzilla lo- ever looks as good after this movie, and and what he's fighting looks like shit. I guess you could make the case that because King Kong is is, is has has a drinking problem in this movie, that maybe he's just he's just been through a lot. He's just haggard by life. <laughs> While we're talking about the suit, there's two things I want to say. One is yeah. kind of a side side note is that I started watching Ultra Q recently, which is the predecessor to Ultraman, and it was the first thing produced by Eiji Tsuburaya's production company after he started it, which he is, of course, the uh, like, like the suit designer and effects guy for the, all these Godzilla films in the Showa era. Um, so after he started his own production company, he created Ultra Q, which is very similar. It's, it's kind of like a... Kind of like a not quite a Twilight Zone because there's continuity in terms of characters between episodes, but similar in that it's like an anthology show of just monsters and sci-fi concepts. But two of the first like six episodes are very clearly like 
like modifications to a Godzilla suit. (laughs) (laughs) The first episode and the most and like I think the sixth episode have like like the first episode is very clearly the Godzilla suit with some things added to it, and then the the later one that I've seen that is similar is like. It's a, it's a more of a redesign, but it's you can see that Godzilla face very clearly, and the it's it's very interesting. So I'll, yeah, I almost I, I like mean, wonder if that's like, like a trademark of his. You can't build a new suit every every time. Like you know, I don't know what the budget costs, but these suits are a hundred feet tall. Like they're they tower over buildings, so like it's a <laughs> lot of material they're making. And then of course, you know, you have to have the sixty people that all stand on each other's head to operate it. It's a, it's a process. The, the second thing I think is that I think it also doesn't help that like, we know what a gorilla looks like. <laughs> like, so like, t- you know, like there's no like point of reference for Godzilla other than Godzilla. Yeah. We like, know. I don't think the people that designed <laughs> the suit know, but we do. <laughs> but like, I, I was talking about this to someone else recently. It was, um, it was it was a discussion thread somewhere I saw of someone said that they thought that the Ted effect looked better than the Paddington effect, and I agree, and, and I think it's because a you know a teddy bear doesn't have to look real in the same way that a bear like bear does. So yeah. like, well, especially because Paddington has like a whole bear family. Yeah, because right? like, Paddington is a bear. He's not a teddy bear. He's a bear. So yeah. like, we we have we have a frame of reference for. What a bear, what a looks, bear like. cub looks like, and we know that there's an unreality to what we're seeing. I, I talk about I, I talk about this all the time. Where like I um, the specific example uh, that I have is um, that in the the thing prequel, um, there are some monsters in that because it's not called like the thing origins or whatever. I just kind of have to <laughs> say prequel and then name a year. Um, that in that movie, there's there, the 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 um, SFX obviously look worse than what the original. Sorry, the uh, CGI obviously looks worse than what the original SFX looks like. But even that, a movie that got knocked for its CGI, I think certain effects look really good because of that unreality effect that we've talked about before. However, I've seen a movies like i am legend and i've seen um like one of the exorcist uh, exorcist sequels or i guess prequels um where there's cgi dogs dogs just made wholly out of cgi and they look like shit because i know i know what a dog looks like i'm about to go kill one (laughs) um (laughs) um your dog wants hey your dog has thoughts here's dog he's like hey i have things to contribute yeah, like we know we know what a gorilla is supposed to look like. Even even like original Kong is still like looks like a gorilla in every sense except for size. So like when we see this, you know, this very clearly like this, you know, this design in this film it looks nothing like a gorilla. I think it's more uncanny, not uncanny because it's uncanny is not the word, but it's more like it is a different standard we're holding it to than like Godzilla or Anguirus, which look like nothing yeah. other than themselves. Yeah. And it's so like, it, it creates this effect where it's, it's, it just looks like a guy in a suit 
Um, I know it's not fair to compare it to this, but like it genuinely looks worse than the shitty gorilla suit in like 80s comedies that they use, like trading places and stuff. Like it probably looks worse than the shitty gorilla suits they use in like sex comedies in the 60s with like Peter Sellers. Like uh, it, it, it looks really shitty in a way that like <clears throat> I there there's two fight. One of the, This is my primary argument for this movie not being very good. There's two fights with King Kong and Godzilla. There's one at the end that I think has some really stellar moments. Some of the the, the miniature sets are so cool looking. Um, one of them in particular is like I had to pick my jaw off the ground. It was so cool. Like um, we'll get to that in a, in a bit. But the first fight is over very quickly. Godzilla just kind of roasts King Kong, sets his chest hair on fire. <laughs> I, do, I, love and, I love that scene though because and King Kong it, just, just kind of like, sits and takes it. Yeah, he's like, oh well. Not only is he at a, he's up on a little mountain. He's 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 shooting flame breath at him, and then he does very quickly go. Well, you know what? I'm I'm out of here. This is I wasn't all that committed to the bit anyway, yeah. so you know I'm out. Uh, King Kong. I'm out. looking for and booze. He, okay, okay, dude. He they they fight, and I, and by that I mean Godzilla roasts him, and King Kong just sort of like lumbers off like a rejected stepdad he touches his he touches his chest hair which is smoldering and he he looks at his hand and he's like all right <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here yeah he's, he's like five, hey I, five, five o'clock somewhere he looks like he looks like a dad who just got told his son didn't want to play catch anymore like he, he just looks he's like right, time to clock out i guess all right, he, later i don't know if this is stupid. apocryphal um <laughs> Speaking of that fight, so obviously the later fight, King Kong wins, which we'll talk about in a sec. And I don't know if this is apocryphal, but this movie is a lot of times credited, again, potentially incorrectly, with at least, if not starting, but mainstreaming the idea of when you have two major uh, antagonists that fight each other. In the first fight, the eventual winner always loses and then comes back stronger in the in the second fight. That seems like such an obvious fiction concept. I'm, I'm not sure the accuracy, but I saw in a couple places that this movie is at least generally credited with like popularizing that trope. I mean, it's, it, it's how, it's how every karate kid movie works. Yep. It's how every, like it's, it's a good fighting movie structure is like, I mean, I know Bruce Lee and, and Steven Seagal mostly win all their fights, but t- typically you have to have the hero get their ass kicked a little bit before they go down. And it, 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 and it even applies in movies where there's not a clear hero. Like I guess King Kong is the hero in this because he's more ethically positive than Godzilla. I don't even know because if you take it's this, I, is a, I don't know if he. I don't. Godzilla. I don't know if he's the hero. The he is framed yeah. as the hero in this movie, except that the only people that are—I mean, King Kong is just as destructive. The only people that are framing it through this is the characters we're seeing through their eyes, which is the pharmaceutical company who wants to capture him and profit off him. So they are really excited about King Kong winning, and that's who we see. That's the like character perspective we see the final fight through. So. I do think that's because, I mean, you you called like the most terrifying scene is King Kong grabbing a train and taking a woman and, you know, crushing yeah, Kong to is, death through the process. Kong is scarier than Godzilla in this. Because Kong will actually... Kong, we know Kong what Godzilla is going to do. He's just going to stomp on things. Yeah. Mostly because Kong. he doesn't realize they're there. Yeah. Kong is Kong kind of is a, like, a horny sex freak. 
Yeah, Kong is like fucking with people and he's picking up train. Godzilla doesn't he's care eight, about train. Eight hours short of a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it is the um, most haggard that costume looks is when he's drinking the berry juice. So it really, <laughs> it, really paint, it really paints a picture of someone who's like, oh, I don't have much to live for right now. But, Bottoms but up. like it. He, he he does he like lumbers and and that's the thing is like the godzilla suit i don't know if it's partially like limitations of the suit or if it's just you know a better actor but um i'm gonna i'm gonna give the credit to the actor there but the godzilla's trademark sort of waddle is like cute and yet powerful like it's like it's endearing to you because it reminds you of a baby, but also it reminds you of an extremely powerful baby. And what I'm getting at is that sumo wrestlers are powerful babies. Um, where I wouldn't want to ever face down a sumo wrestler. That's terrifying. But also, they're, 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 they, they, they have a distinctive waddle that's very like endearing. Like People get like fucking pumped about sumo wrestling the way they do about any other type of wrestler. I like when the actor playing King Kong occasionally thinks he should do something with his hands so just like shakes him over his head for a second as he's walking away <laughs> i mean is, monkeys is, are is weird just his arms a little too long too yeah. oh these arms are too long and he, clearly his hands don't fit in the i think that's one of the problems too like the hands don't move unless it's a close-up shot they're just like or sorry the fingers and the hands because i assume that the actor's arms were not long enough to put you know, it's like when you put a, glo- a mitten that doesn't fit on like a kid. It's like, where's your thumb? Yeah. I guess it's not there. Whatever. <laughs> just so I actually just I walk just, around like you've got stubs. Like I just looked up uh, the actors in the in the suits. Um, Haruo Nakajima is is Godzilla as he was for like the first twelve films. So yeah, he played he played through Destroy All Monsters, I think. Yeah, uh, actually, I actually think more than that. Either Destroy All uh, Monsters or All Monsters Attack. Uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan. Oh, okay. Um, but, so, but this is just kind of a funny aside. Uh, Shoichi Hirose uh, plays King Kong. He's also played uh, King Ghidra quite a few times. <laughs> but interestingly, this is bizarre. On his Wikipedia page, at the top, in the little uh, kind of summary... You know, it has, you know, date of birth, occupation. And then it has a line for spouse and then just specifically says none. Why? Why? Why would you put that? If it's Clearly his, his arch <laughs> Don't put that. He's got like a neighbor that they've been arguing about fence placement. And that guy's updating his Wikipedia. He's, he's still alive. Yeah. He's still alive he's and a, lonely. Well, hold on. He might. I don't know. It's unclear if he's still alive. He doesn't list the date of birth. Doesn't list. Well, the, if he the, is dead, no, we no know. he died in 1990. Uh, well, if he is dead, we know no one mourned him. Wikipedia made sure to mention that he does not have a spouse, but did not think to mention that he had died. <laughs> well, yeah, who would update it? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, back to the story of the film. Uh, they capture Kong as as they do. And meanwhile, thankfully, one of the very side characters has invented unbreakable steel thread. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be important in a little bit, but uh, just they they capture Kong. Meanwhile, alongside all this, a uh, nuclear sub. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that so the nuclear sub with uh, God's with that runs into the iceberg with Godzilla. Peter, I just yeah. before I forget, like 
Um, that I think that is actually the the most terrifying scene in the movie. I think the King Kong train scene is separate. Though. Yeah, that's it's pretty that's, intense. That's that that is still leaning into the horror of like trapped in the sub and just flames encroaching yeah. into it until they all die. Yeah, so they they uh, yeah that is that is a lot. They accidentally awaken Godzilla and free him from his ice his iceberg, um, which. Of course, Godzilla then hones in on Tokyo, as he does. Well, yeah, they talk uh, to that one scientist. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And so... He's coming, um, he's coming here. I owe him money. <laughs> as he's headed towards... One thing I don't quite get is... And this is really not... This is beyond a nitpick. This is not a criticism. Where any of these things are in relation to... I, I kind of always assumed that, that like Godzilla was frozen in the Arctic Circle, but that didn't make any sense at all. Um... So I assume he's nearby because he gets there very quickly. Um, as as Godzilla is headed towards Tokyo, the 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 research team that has Kong uh, re- realizes, oh, this this is this is this is bad news. Um, they free Kong, who then wreaks havoc on on Tokyo, yeah. um, and then comes to blows with Godzilla, which ends poorly for Kong initially. Um, really? Just like real corporations? Not many repercussions <laughs> to that corporation, which just... No. A stole... No, really. I mean, you can't import most animals, let alone... <laughs> A giant monkey. Giant. And then, I mean, they at least in the Japanese version, they do get yelled at a little bit more by the army. Um, Honestly, I, 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 I would have a hard time, like... I think at that point it just kind of kind of moves from set piece to set piece. Like the yeah, actual I mean yeah, it's, plot it's a, really it's a kinda... brief It's the Kong train steals the woman. They, yeah, they they they're like we got it. We're gonna. I love that they also like like to get Kong fucked up. You gotta get him in the mood. <laughs> once 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 both monsters are in Japan, the 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 human plot kind of takes a, a the back seat. Um, yeah. Half the people disappear and they just watch them fight for 20 minutes. And they have, again, one, I mean, watching it as a kid, it was the, and this is, I think, true for a lot of, like, younger kids and makes even adults watching these movies. Like, oh, shit, they're going to spend the last 20 minutes fighting. And they have this long, elaborate fight scene of, of you know, uh, destroying houses, destroying that giant, like, castle. Um, and then Kong really getting his ass handed to him literally being buried alive by by Godzilla until thank <laughs> god there's a thunderstorm and again i actually like this is not like it's not a criticism i love the way that these movies are like we are just we're going to explain what happens it doesn't matter like we're not we're not here to 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 prove the science of why this is happening but like when there's a thunderstorm and one character goes oh this is good king kong gains power by lightning <laughs> It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and but I think that goes back to what Zach was saying about the wrestling. Is, um, yeah. That it's 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 wrestling, right? Like people are kind of emotionally detached from this for most of the movie, apart from yeah, the submarine. See, basically, if you're in a tube shaped uh, transportation device, you're scared of these these creatures. But other than that, you're you're golden. If, if you're if you're at binocular distance, you're doing great. I do love the detail that Godzilla doesn't, even though he's great at throwing rocks. He doesn't pick up rocks just to bury him. He turns around and like kicks and swats them with his like back legs. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You can do it a lot faster that way, Godzilla. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 final fight is 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 pretty is as honestly uh, 
it's it's even long i think by stand by the standards of the series um I mean, there's a lot of good protracted fights in the in the series, but it's one of the longer ones, um, and it's got it's, a lot of stages to it. Well, it's why like you know, there's like, almost no difference between it and the and the American version. It's like they just kind of let the last thirty minutes play out. Yeah, and it's it, it, it there's a reason that um, it's a good multi-stage fight. Like it's not just punch 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 and then one of them goes down there's there's a real like ebb and flow to it because you know at at first you think oh kong bit it like that's it and then you know there's the lightning comes and then he goes super saiyan and and uh and i think i think the fight really takes off once kong gets electrocuted because i don't think i think before then it's a lot of just like tossing very obvious weightless rocks at each other but once they get to the the city after that i think the fight really takes off because you get to see all these really impressive miniatures get stomped yeah and they start to they start to actually wrestle yeah which is what i want to see i want to i want to feel like physical weight Mm -hmm. because that's why we're here right like if 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 I didn't care about the physicality and the weight of these things, like we would just watch all the later CGI ones and move on, right? Um, yeah. But like the physicality of this is so important, and when I can feel the physicality, where I feel like I'm like two actors, they're not actually trying to throw each other down because like you know um, you'll crush the sets and and, and um, you're gonna crush the sets and the shot isn't set up for that. We set need yet. that miniature car for the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, them stomping small homes and in intercuts between them wrestling back and forth and you can feel the weight and the majesty of it is the same reason why Godzilla in and of itself in in uh, the first movie works it's because <clears throat> that waddle that sumo wrestler waddle makes you feel the weight and the gravity of this character this is not this is not some like limber light little guy like Rodan this is this is a this is a, a genuine yeah. force it, this thing is not supposed to be as big as it fucking is yeah. and watching them two wrestle is is fantastic and then yeah we get to the get to the castle which is yeah they fight through it it's just a, this giant castle that's between them and yeah I mean this was this was on I still remember this was the picture there was a picture of them on each side of this like on the back of the VHS box that I had and it was like holy shit like that's because the part the level of de- it's like they actually built a castle yeah like I'm not saying like whereas some of the miniatures I'm like that is still really cool I love that there's like an actual object being yeah. crushed some of the miniatures, it's just like a box that happens to have a roof section and whatever. There's individual like beams and window sections and dust kicking off of this thing. Like it's it's incredible looking. They clearly put a lot of money into this last this last effect. And I, I I'm 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 not a scholar of Japanese history, so I don't know exactly what the um, implication is by it being sort of this classical Japanese. Uh, castle structure is like I don't know if that or the building that Kong is climbing on earlier in the movie has some sort of significance to Japanese um, Japanese viewers um, but to me I'm what I'm seeing is like um, what I'm seeing is 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 something that that has as much love and care put into it as the costumes being decimated in a few seconds shot. And that's it, it's it's so impressive. It's so yeah, it's, cool. it is great. Uh, and then it ends like a lot of these movies very abruptly, <laughs> with them kind of tumbling into the ocean, and only King Kong gets up, and they're like, <laughs> "All right, well, let's, go, let's move, let's go on with our lives. Nothing is solved." <laughs> 
in, in a very uh, King Kong as, uh, you know, beaten down stepdad fashion, as we've discussed previously, he's like, oh, shit, I got to get home. Welcome back. Cotter is on. Oh, it's because it's he woke up from his electricity hangover. He's like, I'm embarrassed to be seen around <laughs> everyone. I Based on the way I carried on. Um, yeah. So th- what did I say last night? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to pivot really quickly and we'll do some final thoughts on this movie um, later on. Um, but I, I would note. So this movie is still to this day, the record holder for most tickets sold in Japan. So this movie, huge hit. Um, and so, to, you know, be, it ends up being a, a decently sized hit in the United States later on, too. So Toho decides, like, they've, they've cracked the code. They were doing all these individual monster movies to try to replicate the su- success of Godzilla. They had, you know, some some big success with, like, Rodan and Mothra, lesser success with stuff like Varen and, and some of the other things. And so they're like, we need to match Godzilla up with... Um, with other established creatures. So the next movie they make is Mothra versus Godzilla. It's still a Honda directing after returning from the original to King Kong uh, versus, versus Godzilla. And they do kind of the same thing. Let's take the existing Mothra mythos or as it were. Uh, and, 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 and put it into into Godzilla. Godzilla's still 100% the villain. Mothra's the savior. It still is hitting on a lot of those kind of cap, anti-capitalist, anti-nuclear uh, stuff. Not as, you know, strong. But it also helps that, you know, it, it, it feels a little more serious and a little less silly than even King Kong versus Godzilla. Just because with the way that Mothra articulates... Um, compared to another person in a monster suit, you don't have these, like wrestler fights anymore right yeah mothra i think i think it also helps that mothra is like i mean king kong is a little goofy yeah um and not that mothra isn't i don't know i think mothra is like is maybe goofy in concept potentially but not in execution like she looks otherworldly like the design uh, th- yeah. It looks mythical in the same way that Godzilla or Anguirus or, or Rodan do, whereas Godzilla feels like exactly – I mean, King Kong feels like what it is. is like a giant gorilla. Yeah. I, so- y- y- you really don't get any more of the like – like King Kong is like kind of unique in the Godzilla universe and that he is just a large version of an animal we've already seen. And arguably Mothra is too, but Mothra isn't just a moth. Like – Mothra yeah, she got like psychic that. mini like, twins. She there's a yeah. larval stage. There's a death and life cycle. And again, also nuclear related, right? It's um um um. What's the island name? Shit, I didn't write down my notes because we aren't co- actually covering this movie. But um, but the island that um that is related to Mothra and where they come from and the you know is also um, Infant Island. Sorry, Infant Island is also affected by uh by you know it's also a nuclear like a lot of the the Toho movies is a nuclear parable. Um, so that's also hugely successful. Um, and then they literally the same year again, Redbeard, um, a Toho release is getting delayed. And so they're like, well, we should do another one of these to fill that holiday spot on the schedule, which uh, feels feels like such a modern thing that I wouldn't think would affect like, you know, the uh, Japanese theatrical distribution. So they rush. So Honda rushes and another one immediately into production, which is Ghidorah, the three head monster. Um, and they again try to do the same formula. They're like, let's let's keep Mothra, 
Let's add in Rodan, another established Toho monster character. Uh, this is the first uh, Dark Universe, by the way, I think, um, um, idea. But, uh, but yeah, P.S., uh, 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 I guess uh, these giant extended universes existed for a long time. Everyone that hates them now. Um, some were good, some were bad, but they're, they're definitely not new. Um, and they also decide, like, let's... There was this idea that Godzilla was becoming so beloved that making him a villain who kills and destroys everyone wasn't going to work in perpetuity. So they made this idea to essentially introduce a new antagonist and a new main antagonist and and turn their beloved monsters in Godzilla and Rodan into heroes like Mothra. So that's essentially the premise of Gita the Three-Head Monster, a movie that I feel like always gets somewhat second shrift to Invasion of the uh, Astro Monster, which we're going to cover in more detail, but a movie that I really like, not just for its... It is really good. It has some. It also is the last time the budgets approach really high level. They don't. They're not recycling footage. Like even though the, this was a success, budgets start getting cut in the next movie, and there's a lot less monster action. There's a lot less destruction. There's a lot less. Um, there's a lot more reused footage for other things, and so this really yeah. does feel like, in some ways, a little bit of an apex of. The amount of monsters, the amount of new scene, you know, destruction we have, the amount featuring them, that also ends up kind of going away a little bit with with the next movie. The other thing that I, if I can interrupt, yeah, you, yeah, I was back, yeah. back, back up your point you were just yeah. making because I watched uh, Ghidorah a couple hours ago. Um, is that uh, Ghidorah? I absolutely agree. The fun thing that Ghidorah has that this, I, I think this movie, Invasion of the Astro Monster, is the best of the the sequels I've seen so far. Um, and the Ghidorah has more of like a roving chaos element that I want yeah. all the movies to have where it's just like, oh, shit, it's been 15 minutes. Godzilla has to smash something. Um, whereas like a lot of these movies are very conservative with their Godzilla action. Like this movie is 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 um <clears throat> like there are big chunks of this movie where it's just about the aliens and the two astronauts. And the reason that I like this movie is because they actually make, I think like the human story interesting. In um, Ghidorah, so yeah. the time that I'm spending between yeah. the fucking buildings getting smashed, I'm not like, like yeah. checking my watch and being like, Christ, it's, it's 65 minutes. When am I going to get to see another oil depot? explode? <laughs> yeah. Ghidorah, the three headed monster is the one, if I'm not mistaken, that's the one where the plot is kind of like a, like a like a Roman holiday riff, isn't it? Is it not? Yeah, yeah. the The woman from Venus who's warning about that there's a monster coming. But there's like a there's like a there's like a princess who. No, that's that's invasion of the Astro Monster. No, no, no. There's there's a princess. There's a princess from. There's like uh, a princess who's like Venus undercover. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, She's both from Venus and like I think like a a, a, a Siam or a Singapore, rift, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a different Asian it's, country. It's that's... a it's a it's a, something I didn't that I did not piece together. It's something that Thomas Pynchon has like a whole like monologue about in in Inerrant Vice that Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster is a remake of Roman Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a little bit. I I need to see uh, Roman Holiday. Yeah, again, I've, I've never seen. Compare. I've never seen Roman uh, Holiday. It's it's but, a good movie. But, yeah, um, but, uh, there's a there's a princess with amnesia, and there's a cop trying to protect her from yeah. assassins. Yeah, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so if that's the anyway, Roman holiday, it's exactly like that. Uh, so I, so I, I, mean, I won't say I agree completely with Peter in the extent that I don't think this is good. It's, but it, honestly, it's pretty near the like bottom of my rankings. If I were just to lay out favorite to least favorite, King Kong vs Godzilla probably in the bottom quartile. Like it's. It's. I like it, but I also think that's interesting. Like, Again, I, it's high in mind, but I definitely think that's a nostalgia lens. Oh yeah, so it it would be near the bottom of my rankings. I think. I think uh, the human story. I, I, I'll say this now. I I tend to actually like enjoy the human stories. I mean, not not like as a blanket. I think they're all good, but like I I enjoy the fact that like. I think my favorite Godzilla movies, at least from Showa era, they tend to be more integrated later on, are are ones where like there is a human story that could, in theory, be reworked to be its own movie without Godzilla. Yeah. Um, and this is not like that. This was very much like well Kong, but it's very much like the 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 humans are are the human story only exists with the monsters in this one. Yeah. Um, invasion of the Astro monster is an interesting counterpoint, which we'll get to in that it's the opposite where you could rework that entire script to not have the monsters and still have a pretty good, compelling science fiction yeah, story. And, and we're, yeah. we're going to talk, yeah, we're like going to talk about the why they did this yeah. here in a second. So, yeah. So in, in Ghidorah, the other thing that I really do like about it though, and I, and again, I really like, I really embrace the, I don't think just like goofy or corniness because I, I think goofy or corniness without something that's compelling and fun to watch is just like I think I think there's too many things that are lumped into acceptable to watch that's actually ter- that are actually miserable movies to watch. But like I like I do love that scene where Mothra convinces them to to be essentially heroes for the rest of the series because they do spend you know nine tenths of Ghidorah, uh, Rodan, and, and Godzilla still being. Uh, destructive forces along with Ghidorah they're just they're all just going around destroying things and Rodan and Godzilla uh, have a beef in there and they're fighting over it but I I love the quaint way of like they do uh, they do subtitles for their for their conversation in roars and everything like like that but I'm one of yeah yeah and um, I it's so funny when Godzilla says that like they don't want to they don't want to protect humans why should we do that they're always shooting at us and like that is so fucking funny in the right way that i just i I love like i do i do really love Ghidorah. so Ghidorah is a success but um it's less of a success than mothra and king kong and like all sequels they start to slash budgets a little bit and the other thing is that the toho studio executives are getting a little bit they're like, how can we make these movies exist in perpetuity? Because at some point, like too many, like they they step into this a little bit with Ghidorah, but you know they're like, we can't keep having human characters that are just like a scientist announcing they find found something in a couple on vacation that has to deal with it or something. Like they're they're commenting on how like. They're just sick of how uninteresting the human plots are for the most part and are and want to try to do something different. And this also really taps into – so uh, Honda has another series of that's unrelated to this that he's doing in Japan that's a sci-fi series 
called The Mysterians, and he's been making movies around that series. I think a few of them. They're really hard to find, right, in the United States. I'd love, I'd love to see them. But he's making these Mysterians, so like they're like, let's let's make a Godzilla movie that is its own plot with its own characters and introduce Godzilla. And fundamentally, that's what we're going to see for most of the rest of the movie. It's different types of movies that they're introducing Godzilla to. But like, you know, uh, you know, the next one after this one is like a fun beach adventure that they run into an evil lair and hideouts and. P.S. The evil lair in hideouts uh, has a has a lobster that they're using to keep people on the island. And oh, yeah, Godzilla fell asleep on that island and Mothra's there. Like they, they start doing that and that adds a different dimension into tonally what the movies are about. Are they a fun father-son story of bonding over a robot buddy and also Godzilla's there? Are they about an evil theme park tycoon and also Godzilla's there? Are they, you know, uh, that, that kind to of- me – that to me is what makes the Showa era so like endearing and, yeah, and why I, it's oh, my I favorite agree. era. Yeah, is because like from pretty much Heisei onwards, Godzilla movies become Godzilla movies with quotes around it. Like there, there, beca- there come there becomes a a more or less a format. Now, I wouldn't say formula because Heisei still gets pretty weird, but there is a format which is generally. Godzilla is wreaking havoc, or some other monster is wreaking havoc. There is, I mean, there's like a little, there's a, like a Godzilla force, like that is like a government agency meant to kind of wrangle and protect from Godzilla that generally tend to be foregrounded as characters. And they, they, they all become kind of very similar action sci fi pictures um, with similar. Um, I wouldn't say similar plots, but with similar, uh, they, I guess you could say they all belong to the same basic genre. Yeah. Whereas in Showa era, they don't really all belong to the same genre, even though they are all Godzilla movies. They, they are all movies with Godzilla in them. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Godzilla versus Ebera and destroy all monsters and terror of Mechagodzilla are three different types of movies. Yeah. That, and I think that's why, Kaiju. like, when I was deciding, because Mothra and Ghidorah are both great movies. They're in my top third of, like, overall Godzilla movies. Why I chose Invasion of the Astro Monster is because this is really the first one that's introducing the concept, not just space aliens, but also let's make another movie and put Godzilla into it. And these were never – this wasn't like a diehard situation where they kept writing other movies and putting John McClane into it. Like, these were written to be Godzilla movies, but they changed the way they were writing them to make um to to go to a theme and this is also a worth one to kind of go to launch into our part two because this is the one where where honda actually starts getting frustrated that even though he likes the idea of doing the um the space aliens he's less on board at this point of godzilla being a, a funny kids hero and um and so he ends up walking away after this movie as well leaving the door for uh john uh, uh Jun Fukuda to to kind of start putting his own stamp and while he goes and still works for Toho um, they really were the B unit what's funny is that like you know after this movie Honda goes and spends a few years a couple years making King Kong Escapes and um, and the B they call it the B unit they were working on this I think Fukudo uh, sorry how do you pronounce it again 
Fukuda. I had it pronounced differently in my head for just reading it, and now I'm now I'm, I'm trying to re recenter myself. Um, they just basically use a lot of the same sets in the same island and made a couple movies in the background until Honda decided he wanted to come back to do to do a couple more to do a couple more movies. So I, I like again, it's it's the the fun thing about the show series is that. I think you could have a meaningful – like all the movies are interesting to talk about. They're not interesting to talk about for four hours like a Brazil, but they're all interesting to talk about because they they become so different. And I think covering this one's good because A, it's a really fun one that is beloved in the Showa series, but also it becomes the jumping off point for where they're going to take the Showa series for the rest of the time. So uh, who – Peter, do you want to – do you want to run through the plot on this one? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so two astronauts, uh, Dr. Fuji and Dr. Oh, Klein. sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm such an asshole. Uh, the other thing that I think this is important to introduce is that Toho uh, uh, recognized that all their movies were getting American cuts of, of them with King Kong and Godzilla or they weren't getting released. So they thought that instead of getting American cuts, it would be helpful for them to introduce uh, international appeal and start casting Americans to exist alongside some of it that's not a trend that lasts for a lot of these movies but it's something you start seeing more of in starting with this movie having a main main character who is an english speaker oh and uh yeah nick adams who plays dr glenn um i recognize him from a couple movies notably rebel without a cause and uh the corman movie die monster die he's a he's the have you seen die monster die aaron i've seen the monster the is it the same (laughs) The German cut, yeah. yeah. That uh, German cut yeah, that has a, a news <laughs> a news broadcast that cuts in occasionally and says, uh, we don't know what happened 20 years ago. <laughs> but um, Nick Adams uh, plays uh, Dr. Glenn, and he's, you know, he's serviceable. He's a square-jawed American, American type, uh, blonde hair. Um, and in Die Monster Die, he's the same same guy. The only thing I remember about him in Die Monster Die is he has a, he has a cool like spy coat um he's like a long trench coat kind of thing um but uh yeah he's uh he's in a uh a, a, a um, lovecraft movie i think we should cover on the show oh yeah um but um he's accompanied by dr fuji akira uh, 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 akira takarada um who is uh made a pretty good career of being in Godzilla kaiju movies also some yakuza couple um couple samurai movies a lot of just genre movies but um he stayed in this this particular toho family for 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 kaiju movies as well so um those are our two leads and i think like <laughs> for them having to do some spaghetti western shit but the fact that um nick adams doesn't speak japanese and i don't think akira takarada spoke english well um <clears throat> the I, I actually feel like the characters have decent um maybe it's it's just really good uh dubbing paired with a good performance um, yeah the characters have decent chemistry like or po- possi- possibly some of that is also because i know what the characters want at any given they point. do say the that, that he was very beloved on the set and just was so excited to be there and like everyone everyone got along even with their limited ability to communicate I love to hear that because sometimes, like the idea of going overseas to perform, I'm all washed uh, up for actors. Yeah, is, yeah it's, it's like going to Europe to play basketball. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, Once Upon a Time in America has a whole bit about it, like going overseas to do spaghetti westerns as like a retirement career for the main character. Like, it's probably also safer doing a Godzilla movie than like a spaghetti western because like safety standards on those spaghetti western sets were non-existent. (laughs) Whereas just being in a, you want to go sit even on Leone movies, you could almost get. Oh no. Like, yeah, no, that's like Eli Wallach's biography is autobiography is mostly about like the, the the Leone chapters are just like the good, the bad, and the ugly chapter is like, here's how many times I almost died. (laughs) Yeah. He almost drank like nitroglycerin. He did drink. He did. You know, he drank like acid. (laughs) Yeah, he drank acid. He had a train go like inches from his head. Um, There's a couple of things like the the bridge was exploded with no warning. Um, yeah, and and like <laughs> they, they, I imagine these sets like they got in, they shot the scenes they needed to, and then they <laughs> left him the fuck alone yeah. to go try new food he'd never tried before because. <laughs> We didn't have sushi restaurants in America in the 60s. Like, we didn't have ramen restaurants the way that I have, like, a sushi and a ramen restaurant within two blocks of me now. That didn't exist in the 60s. You could go actually see some culture doing these movies. Um, so, um, okay. So, they are flying through space to go to Planet X. One of their two trips to Planet X in this movie, with a third one implied at the end. <laughs> I love how space is, like, is, like me in college visiting my long distance girlfriend you're like yeah sure i guess i'll i'll hop in the car for what it's All right. for what it's worth uh that planet x is is an american <laughs> translation of just a name they gave the planet like that's very much a oh americans were are obsessed with the concept of planet x <laughs> okay well yeah i mean it's it's it is just funny how it's like nothing is in, in the in the movie is particularly far apart um so they, they go there, um, and they land on the planet. It seems like a desolate planet. And then some tubes pop up, and a disembodied voice speaks to Dr. Fuji, saying, we have your your compatriot, and we have your ship. Um, we mean you no harm. Come on down. They have a conversation um, with this race that I think once or twice gets referred to as uh, Zillion. Yep. Um, I'll probably end up just calling them aliens sure. for most of this. Um but uh, they get referred to at least at least twice, I think, in the movie as Zalian. Um, it's very funny that they <laughs> that the aliens are like, as you might call us, Zalians. And you're like, I haven't heard that term yet in the movie, buddy. I think you just gave yourself that nickname. Like, no matter what, don't call me uh, stupid, stupid Pete. Like, no matter what, don't give me a bad. Someone nickname. calls us stupid Pete. <laughs> <laughs> It's a hate crime. It's a hate crime here on Planet X. My name is Jerry. <laughs> um, oh, well, it's kind of like when you go I to a new that... school but you try to reinvent yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm I'm, I did... I'm, Aaron, I'm Aaron Armstrong. I've never peed my pants. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about Aaron Armstrong? He's never peed his pants. That's the rumor going around. This kid, you got... He was potty trained This kid... Weeks. Never peed his pants, and then like I'm in the middle of class one day, and I pee my pants. Everyone's like, "I think he was lying about that pee your don't never pee your pants situation." <laughs> now we can't even believe it. The only thing we knew about the new kid was that he didn't pee his pants. Now he's peeing his pants. We trusted you. We weren't going to make you take your state's test. It's the plot of like fifty percent of uh, uh, Disney's 
made for Disney movies in the 90s. Kid goes to new school and tries to explain some version of I I didn't used to pee my pants. I think, well, yeah, there were so many of them that there was a movie, Max Keeble's Big Move, which was about a kid who thought he was moving. And so he just burns every bridge he can in the school. And then his dad's like, actually, they're letting me stay. Is that the plot of that movie? That's a good plot. Is the movie good? That's a really good, that's a good hook. Yeah, I I don't know. I liked it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it obviously in twenty something years. But, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I remember as a kid thinking it was so fucking funny that he was just like, I don't give a shit about any of you people, and he starts like pulling pranks and stuff so you can like burn bridges, and then his dad's just like, guess what, kid? <laughs> That's a great. <laughs> the boss doesn't want me in debate anymore. I'm gonna whatever. add that to <laughs> that to the my kiddos uh, watch list. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's on Disney. Oh, Plus. I'm sure it is. Um, yeah, it's not Song of the it's South, so it's probably there. Um, <laughs> I think at some point he does beg to move. <laughs> Has an approval rating of 29%, but audience CineScore gave it a B. That's fun. And they gave Duke of Burgundy uh, an F, so it must be four times better than Duke of Burgundy. <laughs> there is a whiplash effect where if those scores are super far apart, I'm like, actually. Yeah, what you don't, what you never want to see on a cinema score is a C. <laughs> yeah, oof. People walk out of the theater and go, eh, it's fine. Like, that's not. That's what not was what the thing? There was um, one that was really. <laughs> I forget who said about it on Twitter, like, that. Um, um, mother or something got a c minus and I, there was some critic on twitter who was the aronofsky movie who was laughing it was like like i understand these are averages but i love the idea of someone going out of mother and going yeah i don't know c c minus <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's not mother but it's something that's that like messed up and like uh but like just the idea that you'd walk out and be like yeah i don't know kind of average <laughs> god there is but there yeah there is like a um uh, a pride in an F, right? Like, you went hard. Whether or not the movie's good or not, like, you went fucking hard. There's no pride in the C minus. No. Um, I just love that uh, that idea of measuring movies that way. Like, did it meet your expectations? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't tell you if it was good or you liked it. Just, hey, based on your expectations, did it meet it? Yeah. Hey. I, yeah, I, I mean, expected to see how- a, a light projected on a screen bigger than I could in my house. A plus. That is kind of how I rate restaurants, though. Whenever a restaurant asks me to rate them, I'm, I'm, I, I like. I think the shitty Mexican place at the corner is has the same rating as the like high end oh, Mexican yeah. place down the street because the shitty Mexican place at the corner will sell me tacos for like two dollars, and they match my exact expectations. Are you open at one a.m.? <laughs> And then the the fancy place <laughs> down the street that I spent a lot more money on and matched my expectations. Is it date night worthy? Um, so they have the same score. I'm sure the proprietors of the latter would not be happy with me. But it's about are you hitting what you're promising? Yeah. And that's cinema scores for yes, you. It's true. Uh, what else happens in this movie? Oh yeah. So while we're here, I think that I think the space design in this movie is like charmingly fifty sixties sci fi in a way that's just like incredible. Like I love the design of the P one spaceship. Is there's is like a cut from them in outer space to a wall of a restaurant that is like designed like a starry night. That at first isn't apparent what it's a cut to because, you know, I mean, essentially it's the same thing. It's a matte painting on a wall. Yeah. And 
But like it cuts to that and then you're like, oh, I'm looking at space and then it pans over and it's a restaurant. It's like, oh, hold on. It's like such a clever little like thing that you couldn't really do without matte paintings. Uh, yeah. Like the fact that the that what what it, what real space is in the movie is also a painting on a wall makes that shot work in a way that's very like uh I don't know, it's just very it's very charming. You know what it it implies that you know how in our world you sometimes go to a museum and there's like a painting that's like photorealistic and you're like how the fuck did you do that? Um <laughs> in their universe just uh, uh, like a um, Lisa Frank space folder is <laughs> a photorealistic depiction of space because those map paintings are the reality of space. I think that I think the the whole aesthetic of the space scenes, the spaceship, the the sensation of movement they give those spaceships. I think it's it's fantastic. Yep. I love. That's one of the reasons that I was charmed immediately. I think the alien planet looks fantastic. It's setting up for a, a big fight in about the halfway point of the movie, which I'll, I'll, I'll work to get to. Um, they go underground. They meet the uh, the aliens. They are very, they're very 1960s sort of, or 1950s, I would even say, visions of aliens, but it serves a purpose. They're basically just Japanese people, but wearing... Uh, like pleather and with a little antenna on yeah. the head and with a, a black visor. Um, and it's a very Twilight zone thing. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we're we're glad to have saved you. There's some bad shit going on. Yeah, as a matter of fact, and you know to- King Ghidorah when he left your planet at the end of the last movie? He's been here. That's why we had to go move underground. You know how bad he is. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciated the fact that I had not seen... King Ghidorah before watching this movie and I had no backstory because I took their story at face value. (laughs) I didn't take it as bullshit. I was just like, yeah, I mean, I guess this is where this weird three-headed dragon lives uh, and causes a lot of chaos. Well, he's from space. He wasn't born of the meteor. He just was stuck in one. Um, so he's he's rampaging along the surface. He destroys some of their underground labs. The the, the two the two scientists, uh, excuse me, the two astronauts get a little bit um, suspicious though at this point. And anybody in the audience that hasn't suffered a head wound probably is also <laughs> suspicious of these aliens um, because <laughs> they like lock them down and then they come back to the room and they're like, "Don't worry, everything's fine." Ghidorah went away. It's the damnedest thing. He just flew away. He, he was sick of rampaging on the surface. Uh, and uh, on the uh, back at Earth, um, there's a whole bunch of bullshit. With, well, like, yeah. Well, they're like, hey, these a, people want to borrow Godzilla and Rodan because Godzilla and Rodan beat Ghidorah oh, yes, last can... time. So, like, they come back as, like, an envoy to pass the message of the aliens. Like, they would like to to borrow these people. And then meanwhile, they come out of like more aliens come out of the ocean and flying saucers. And everyone's like, hey, wait a second. They it's also worth noting. They also basically the trade is you guys give us Godzilla and Rodan to protect us from Ghidorah. And we will give you a cure to cancer that we've we've uh, developed. Yeah. Which I mean, in fairness, great trade, because, yes, Godzilla and Rodan stop Ghidorah at the end. Prior to that one moment, all they've done is kill people. So, like, sure, yeah, it's a great trade. It's like if you uh, had a car 
that only drove over people. Well, one time it got to you to where you were going. Uh, and then they're like, hey, instead of that car, what if we give you a bunch of money? <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's, no, it's like if you had a, that. it's like if you had a, it's like if a bear lived in your backyard that you couldn't control. Someone <laughs> said, hey, I will give you a thousand dollars if you give me the bear. And I'd be like, hmm, that's a good, <laughs> let me think about it. <laughs> let me take this. One time the bear did kill a coyote that looks suspicious, but otherwise it's done nothing but kill my family members. Yeah, I guess you could take the bear for $1,000. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of their whole thing. But the aliens are like, have no chill and go out of their way to be as suspicious as possible at every possible. They're they are they are uh, sus as as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, the, the the teens would call them uh, real sus. Mad yeah, sus. Yeah, Mad their plan sus. is mid. <laughs> at best. <laughs> Um, and what they're about to do is very toxic as well, because um, they want to um, suck all the nutrients out of the earth and, and eradicate us as a people. They're colonizers. They're violent colonizers of the planet. All women are clones. And they're pl- not great. Clones of one one specific woman, which is a real incel move. Well, they like, say it too. Like they the say incels. they say this. They they're yeah. It's really fucked up because they're like, well, don't you find her attractive? And they like found the one that I guess at some point in their culture they all agreed were attractive, and they're like, that's what the women look like now. Either, either that or it's like a genetic engineering. Like they've g- engineered what they believe to be. The I thought world. that was the implication. Well, they yeah. Somewhere along the line was the implication that they're like, this is the epitome of attractiveness to us, and so we made all women look like that. Yeah, it'd be like if a subreddit all voted on who the the hottest model was, and then that, that's all what of them got like. that model as their. Yeah. Girl it also friend. does kind of. Um, it also does kind of suggest the possibility that the that the men don't actually look like that. That, that it's like a choice, like to have the eye visors and the white and the like painted white skin. Like, like if I mean, the one, if the, the women eye visors are a choice. <laughs> Like they're an exception. Like the women, the women look like Earth women. Yeah, but the men all look like, like very, like like a like you know like a that's why they space wanna, aliens they suck up those nutrients. Wink, wink. Yeah, the reason they do that is is uh, the same reason that I had to wear a uniform when I was in high school and junior high. Um, it's, it's it's just it's less distractions, you know. You you don't want an alien coming in with a new hot branded t shirt and distracting everyone, you know. Yeah, so there's a lot of suspicions raised. Obviously, actually, well, let's go back to the so one one of these women who have I guess positions herself as a newspaper reporter, um, and is falls in love with Glenn, the the American astronaut, and I love their interactions uh, because they go on one date and kiss, and then. He decides to go back into space with to talk to the aliens more, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll marry you when I get back." It's like, okay, yeah, sure. well, no, they they are sent sure back to they are sent back um, as part of the envoy to take the monsters, yeah, to, to play Godzilla yeah, and to go back to bring the monsters, yeah. But yeah, I just love it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. The cure. She's like, no, stay here because she knows. I mean, she's at this point not revealed to be an alien, but he, he's like, yeah, sure. no, I'll marry you when I get back, which feels like the biggest lie in the world. In this case, it's not necessarily, but. Um, uh, anyways, but yeah, they, their romance does, that's the one kind of brutal moment in kind of a fun, goofy movie that like, because they portrayed, she gets shot with a laser and disintegrated in front of him, which is very brutal. 
Yeah, there's um, uh, uh, Beauty, um, as her name was, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the character's yeah. name? Um, she I call him like I see him. We make the women, we get to name them. Not a great culture. <laughs> um, she sacrifices herself to save Dr. Glenn. Um, but, uh, yeah, she, she, she kind of like leaves a note in his pocket being yeah. like, here's some some cool tips on how to not die in the alien pogroms that are to come. Yeah, and people are raising suspicions, though, right? People are raising suspicions because they're like, hey, like, Glenn and everyone's kind of suspicious because they're like, seems kind of weird that they have been hiding on Earth, have these flying saucer technology, were able to easily subdue and take Godzilla and Rodan with them no problem, and are somehow completely flummoxed by Ghidorah. <sighs> yeah. I, I I would be suspicious because their visors don't actually block out enough sun to serve as... Well, they also visors. live underground. <laughs> Not a lot of sun. The other, the other sun. major character who it's important, I think, to bring up is the... Uh, not brother-in-law, but more or less brother-in-law of... Um, the other astronaut who's dating his sister. Oh yeah. Does not approve of. He is a, he is a seemingly a, an amateur inventor who has invented what is essentially just a loud, a loud device, <laughs> a, lo- a device that makes a loud ear splitting noise. And he's having no luck selling it. And he is essentially a, a, a failed inventor. So much so that like... Why couldn't he be like an ast- inventor in the other movie with the, the twine? <laughs> we got yes. loud, your loud noise inventor? We don't need that kind of inventing around So uh, Fuji, the astronaut, is, is absolutely not into this guy's dating his sister. <laughs> Hold on. Because he is a... Here's how much he's not what? into this guy. They're about the first scene in the movie. They're about to land on the planet, and they're, they're, they're like calling, like you know, they would like, "Do you want to talk to your family before you land?" And he's like, only yeah, thing, tell her not to date like, that yeah, he's guy. Like, Put my sister on the phone, and you think like he's gonna be like, "I can't believe I'm gonna be the first person to land on planet X." He's like, "Hey, you know that guy you're dating? Don't fuck him." <laughs> like, and, and she won't even take the call before, because before landing on planet X. Yeah. She won't even take the call because she knows that's what he's going to say. I know that's what he wants to say. <laughs> so he, this inventor, he um, he gets a, he unexpectedly gets a contract from the uh, embedded alien uh, woman who, who, whose, I guess, cover story on Earth is that she works for, as a businesswoman for this big corporation, which is just a front for the... For the uh, the aliens, yeah, they got a, they their, their hands their, in a lot of plots for. Yeah, they're the, basically the aliens undercover. The aliens have an undercover embedded uh, a cell uh, posing as a corporation, and they, when they get loud wind of this inventions that come well, <laughs> yeah, when they get wind of this guy's invention, they realize, oh, this device. Well, I mean, it's kind of getting ahead of things, but basically, this device kind of fucks with our with our, our technology, yeah. right? And so they buy it from him specifically to bury it and destroy it. And they even, they even, they even the contract it's like, is it's like iTunes as as, buying other music players in the early two thousands. Yeah, the contract is even it's they even specify that the contract 
will pay him out once it goes to market and then they don't take it to market they just bury it <laughs> Yeah. Like this, this, this inventor is just really yeah. Because he spends screwed. the movie walking around, going like, "Hey, when am I going to be able to buy my loud noise machine in the store?" Yeah, because then, well, because then he spends the movie trying to get paid. Yeah, and so, and 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 his his process of investigation for how am I going to get paid ends up running afoul of these aliens who who are, who are just trying not to have their cover blown yeah. by the, by this doofus inventor yeah, you get, you gotta pay, and so they you end gotta up imprisoning your, him your invention like that you want to <laughs> you want to bury it is funny if they had simply just paid him yeah. like like if they had just paid him even a a, pitten, a pittance you know what i mean like yeah. just a normal amount he would have left them alone and not fucked everything up it, they, they by being so cheap they uh they sealed their own downfall yeah uh yeah and it's it's so funny though because their plan was pretty sewn up they did have full control over three massive monsters. yeah if they had just paid one guy or like a no- right? like, yeah, well, like they, have, they have like laser <laughs> guns it's just one guy who keeps going to their offices and they're just like just tell him to get the fuck out of here and they and, and they they this movie makes it clear what their plans are for the surface like they're going to do a mass genocide yeah they're gonna do a genocide to, they're doing it with three monsters which, for what it's worth we're gonna turn people to human guinea pigs like they're yeah. they're doing like unit 731 shit on the planet like, they're not just killing people to, like, steal the resources. They're planning on experimenting. It is, like, I understand that these three monsters are very destructive. It's just, a, it's a long-term plan if you expect them to destroy the whole planet. And also, they were, I understand they're now under your control. It's But, like, you know, the world's very big. And the amount of, like, cities that would need to be just, it's just, a, it's just long. Yeah. It, well, it is one of those. You interest- said Godzilla is destroying, Godzilla is destroying the twin cities and he's headed West. I would think I would have like, six you would have a while. And I'll, yeah. And Zach over on the <laughs> East coast would be like, I guess I just go about my life. It is one of those interesting things where like, you know, you go I mean, nowadays, I think because the box office is so global, Pretty much any any you know any movie where the stakes are the world actually kind of remembers that the world exists, but like at a certain point you know go far back enough, you know if you look at an American you know movie like you know where the world is being threatened, it's pretty much just America because it was made for Americans, and this is the same thing, except for Japan. Like yeah. Japan is essentially the world. And well, this even movie. in Destroy like, All Monsters, they have like five times the amount of monsters, and they're sending them specifically to cities across the world to destroy. Oh yeah, they, them. and that yeah. still doesn't like it takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. They well. It's they, a, look, they, uh, these guys. These guys are good big thinkers. The details really, as we can see, don't don't come through all that well. Which is why they keep getting foiled by by dum dums. I, I do but I do like the idea that their plan is like mostly to steal resources. So like they don't particularly care if like Godzilla's thrashing around in some major city if humans are utterly incapable of stopping. Oh them. I, and I we, love the- And we we haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned that the there's like uh, uh, that's basically what how they kill the aliens in Mars attack. So I yeah I love that like oh, immediately 
And some of this is just like it is supposed to be a little more on the kid side. And so they're like they're not trying to create like an adult mystery. It's not like an it's not like supposed to be accidental or accidental accidental that they like constantly are winking like these are the bad guys. But I love on the first visit, um, they're like, hey, did you notice they don't seem to have any water around here? And like everyone is suspicious. And at one point they like. They bring it up to them and then they're very defensive about, who said we didn't have water? We have tons of water. Are you kidding me? We're water rich. Of course we don't need water. <laughs> but like that's ultimately what they're – yeah, they, they – they, One of my water. favorite – one of my favorite uh, other little details is just the, the design of the uh, – of the alien, not of the alien planet as a as a planet, but like of the alien bases yeah. in the in the planet, like it's the got tubes. this. There's a very there's yeah. the, there's an abstractness to it, like that feels. Uh, the thing it reminds me of actually is um, Yodorowsky's The Holy Mountain. Um, in the early parts, whenever he's in the early parts, whenever he's kind of going through the 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 uh, I, I don't have a clue it's you know how the holy mountain is yeah <laughs> but like it, it, it just this there's these like there's there's these kind of like disconnected uh hallways that don't really have a, you can't really suss out like a layout of the of the base from it like it feels there's almost a surrealism to it the way like these various different things connect only by editing yeah um and and there's even a great moment when the when the two when they when they go back to Planet X, they they're like, okay, this is some something's going on here, right? Like, uh, astronaut Glenn kind of noti- notices that like all the women look just like his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they start like investigating, and they so they sneak off, uh, even though they've been forbidden, as you know, as they do. They sneak off and start kind of snooping around. And it's the sequence of them kind of just wandering through corridors that could be really boring if it wasn't just so visually interesting. Yeah. And then it ends with them in like a dark room and a spotlight. And you can see the you can see the uh, the commandant is what his name is, who's the leader of the aliens. And is a spotlight on uh, on Glenn as he's kind of chastising him for for running off and then the lighting changes and so that you reveal that he's back in the room that he started in like like and, it, and oh, the implication yeah, I, being I that they've that. transported him oh it's so it's so like eerie yeah i mean i think that's like so i mean to wrap up kind of the plot they the the noise machine <laughs> breaks up the the control so Godzilla and Rodan, who start stomping cities, eventually restomp Ghidorah, uh, and you know everyone gets sent on their merry way. And I think, you know, why this movie is so fun and why this held up that the the instincts that Toho had to go, hey, we need plots and adventures and other things to exist outside of just Godzilla for two reasons. One, we can't keep doing people going just just interacting around Godzilla. There needs to be more going on than that to to continue to hold audiences, but also, you know, in one of those budget limitations that ends up driving something more interesting I think forward is like we don't have the money to do Godzilla for 
40 minutes or other monsters for 40 minutes of these movies. So we need we need it to be 20 minutes of Godzilla. And if uh, if there's only 20 minutes of Godzilla, what is the plot is? The next movie they make after this, which has an even you know, lower budget, Godzilla doesn't even show up until 50 minutes in. And when he does, he's asleep for another 10 minutes. Like the last 20 minutes is is Godzilla. Um, and they have this whole other plot about these like evil pirates that own a, a lobster who's like uh, who's like um, – you know, intercepted these like fun beach party college kids, like you know, and and, and <laughs> but like again, that instinct to not keep doing um a a, a business, f- you know, it takes away the political commentary and the and instead is trying to make other movies with Godzilla, and that was such a perfect instinct that led to you know definitely some I think some cheesy entries and in a in a, a I think a, a flattening of um the horror of the of these movies even though sometimes they still have some very like grotesque random blood spurts and and other things that occur because it was the 70s and the 60s um and remember as as peter likes to point out i mean they made a g-rated planet of the apes movie where they just shot a baby with a gun so uh, <laughs> um uh yeah I, you know i this this is such a you know, it's not me and it's not deep, but it's fun to talk about from that kind of uh, Godzilla perspective because I don't – I think Ghidorah steps to this a little bit. But if you don't make this movie, I think you don't end up having a, as long a run as Godzilla in as many movies as you end up having in the 60s and 70s because you just – you are making the same movie over and over again. Yeah, I think more than any film before this one, this one proved that – like how flexible Godzilla could be um, and and how and that you could do a lot more than than a, than than what they had done with it at that point and then for you know for the next six or seven films like it's it's very flexible like they do a lot of different like you know from here right from here till terror they're all kind of their own like they're all kind of different like to an extent. Yeah, the only one in some ways like Destroy All Monsters is a, is a bigger version of this that originally was, you know, was like I Shiro Honda wanting to come back and like really initially he thought it might be the end of Godzilla and then that changed almost immediately. But I actually think like we're not going to do Destroy All Monsters. I actually think Destroy All Monsters is one of my least favorite of this era because it spends so much time on setting up like the last 20 minutes are great but it misses all this fun alien intrigue and instead wants to really focus on it has it has season finale it has series finale energy because it was designed to be that yeah like it 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 works i think as at the culmination of the films before it but it doesn't work incredibly well as its own because it really is just a like an excuse to get all those monsters in one movie and have them throw down in a big, you know, Royal rumble. Um, and, and, uh, you know, as such, it's, it's, it's kind of thin. I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's definitely, it's missing I think, the fun. Like, like you've said, like the, the genius of this movie is that Godzilla yeah. is an important part to the plot. He's not like, he's not like uh completely extra or separate or anything like that in that it's right. part of like an overall like 
plan and impetus, but you can remove Godzilla from this plot and put in anything else. A, a monster. Rate. You could, you could, you could, yeah, you could, instead of Godzilla, it could be a tank. Could I be mean, a tank, a ray gun. They need diamonds from yeah. Earth to yeah, do it. Could it. Be, it could be weird yeah. solar yeah. storms at the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's, that's easy enough to do. And that's, that starts to be true of these other movies. Like, I mean, you literally need no um, monsters at all in, in the sea, in, the, in, in Ibera. I mean, it's they have pirates, they have slaves, and it's you know that they're keeping everyone on this um, on this island, and there's a mad sign, you know, and it kind of progresses from there. And I think, you know, uh, King Kong, um, if you know, kind of go a little bit into to final thoughts, just because we're almost at three hours mark, and I know it's late, uh, but you know, I think King Kong vs. Godzilla, I have a lot more affection for than than you guys, and I think it was, you know, it was the first movie that I ever saw that um, had this idea of these two iconic monsters. Uh, fighting one that I had seen a movie of before in King Kong, and one that I had always wanted to see a movie featuring, which is which is Godzilla. But I also think it's important to note that was really the first time that anyone had seen that, right? Like the, there, there, there was a the the kind of giant monster movies were popular, but besides Godzilla Raids again, which was kind of buried as a Godzilla movie in, in the United States release, and just it's not a very good movie. It's it's probably. I think it's probably my least favorite of the show era. Yeah, I'd probably say the same. Um, I think it's my least favorite overall, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it might, that might be the case for me too. If I were, uh, I, I forget. I think, I think there may be one that I like a little less, but um, the uh, I do think Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is incredibly boring. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that is really like setting up something that wasn't just like. There wasn't just the best version of that that had been done before. It was like the only real version of that that had ever been done before. And so, um, and so, it's it's not surprising that that. And again, I didn't even realize how massive a hit it was. The fact that it still holds the records for most tickets sold in Japan is, you know, effectively the biggest movie of all time there, accounting for inflation. Like more people went to go see that in theaters, and there's there's there was there's more people today than there was in 1962. Um, so it, it's it's telling how big of a movie that was. And but you know, but one thing that. I think you guys are keying into on that's right is that that is really a basic premise about two monsters and some human characters that interact to the point that I don't think you'd lose too much in the American version. The news reports are silly, but it's not like you're cutting out some sort of uh, uh, story beats that have their own thing going on that you're missing parts on. If you cut out 20 minutes of invasion of the Astro monster to do a news report on the alien invasion, there's actually a lot going on in that plot. Uh, some of it fun and silly and we laugh about it but it has a lot of story beats that need to get there to make the Godzilla stuff make sense and that's not the case with King Kong and Godzilla so while the movies move sillier I think on one level they also get much more complex in what what the uh, and, and they get more they get less complex in what message they're trying to send and what they're trying to be about but they get a lot more complex in what their plot is is going through and so so i think invasion of the astro monster is kind of the the perfect like i think it's the end of the kind of like higher budget uh event movie of the godzilla era but its direction really takes it uh of the of the initial like six movie show a run but its trajectory takes it into uh 
a, a fun direction that I'm excited to get in with our with our part two episode. So, Zach, Peter, uh, any parting thoughts? Closing, closing. One, 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 like minor thing I wanted to note is that like when they when they when they first get back to Earth from Planet X and you know relay the offer, um, there's like a it's not a UN or a Senate, but it's like a kind of a like a bunch of delegates representing various, I guess like strata and like sectors of public life. Um, one of which, the only one who really gets a, a significant, like the only two who really get a significant like line are the medical delegate, which makes sense because the offer is a cure for cancer <laughs> and the housewives delegate who, who I don't like, quite know what that i mean i assume it's exactly what it sounds like just a woman who has been elected or appointed to represent japan's housewives um but then interestingly for like the rest of the movie anytime like the delegates are just kind of like following around like as decisions are being made and i i, I like i couldn't help but notice that the housewives delegate is there the entire time like that's very i don't know i don't know if that's a real thing at the at the time, yeah, like Japan, maybe Japan did have a housewives delegate, but if not, it's a very interesting concept. Yeah, and also they're but not. Yeah. I mean, in this is not saying it's right or wrong, but by definition, they are not doing a very good job living up to their delegation if they're at the meeting. <laughs> um. The the yeah. I I think it's it's a really it's it's honestly one of my. This would be up there for me. It's one of my favorites. Um, I love the I, I love the I love the plot of you know this al- this embedded alien uh, cell that is you know working to working to undermine you know society and Earth life. Um, end up undermining themselves. Yeah, kind of <laughs> running afoul of the most simple. Uh, the most simple little uh, sabotage that isn't even it's unwitting sabotage <laughs> um, and of course well, I, I don't know how we haven't brought this up but Godzilla has his victory dance in this which is a meme at oh, this yeah. point but it's also like yeah I brought it up very briefly just to make it yeah, very clear it's, that, I, that at this point I'm pro victory it's dance. so iconic that like the the the, uh, the Criterion collection box set has that um, is that image as one of the covers in the artwork. Uh, yeah, and like I said, it's, it's, I, I mentioned earlier, Honda hated it. He didn't. He hated <laughs> that they made him include it. He thought it was a betrayal of the character, and it was one of the main reasons he wanted to take a break from the series. <laughs> yeah, Honda. No, I yeah, well, you know, I know Honda. Cares. I mean, it is directors aren't always <laughs> right about their movies. <laughs> He, uh, I know he, interest. I mean, it's interesting because he did also direct, like, I know he hates it himself or hated it himself, but he directed All Monsters Attack, which is generally the most reviled of the, all the films. I actually like it, but, and it's also the silliest by far. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's about a kid that imagines he's best friends with Godzilla's son, so. Yeah. But, like, I, if, if the, if the dance grieved him i can only imagine how much pain he was in directing that yeah i mean i also get that like it's far sillier you know he he, 
it's a different dynamic in that like Toho had yeah. most of the power, so it's not like it's not like he was like I quit Godzilla movies. Like he still needed to work, and he, you know, yeah. Um, the last thing I'll note before I turn over to Peter for I did watch King Kong Escapes, uh, and you shouldn't watch that movie, but it is nuts um, because it's a it's a co-production with Rank, uh, Rankin and Bass, who does like the Rudolph Reynolds Ranger stuff, and it's a remake of a TV show that they did that lasted for eight episodes in the United States. Uh, it's really not not all that good, but it is. He does fight Mecha King Kong. Um, a, a full uh, a full seven years before they introduced the concept of the Mecha Godzilla. So uh, it, it's like it's. I gave it three stars. It is again. It's just like anything else. It is fun to. It is fun to watch. It was not painful. I think the only ones that really get painful are the Godzilla raids again type stuff that are just no fun in any capacity. Um, but. I, I remember liking Raids Again just fine because it, like, scratched a specific itch, but I don't know. I mean, if maybe if I watched it now, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, it is interesting that, like, it King Kong... I would have set, thought you would have been like, I'm done, but I, I haven't seen Raids Again. I never... I should watch it on the Criterion set, so... I, you know, I, I, all indications and in its entire reputation would lead me to believe that it's terrible. But when I when I watched it at the time, I was like, "Hell yeah, more more Godzilla!" Um, I think it was because it at least took on the serious tone of the previous yeah. one. It was just cornier, and there's a lot of cool aerial photography. And probably, I, I mean, I, the black and white cinematography, went, which I probably wouldn't have liked in eighth grade, mm-hmm. I probably would enjoy a little more. So, I mean, I do have the box set; I should check I, it out. Pete, I have not done any research to know if, if Raids again has been take taken back by uh the fans doesn't, or doesn't, not doesn't all i know is it. that uh all i know is that i i didn't you didn't quit at the time but I one did of my hate. favorites i did, i I, hate, I quit out in king kong versus godzilla uh, and now i'm back in it i watched one more movie than was was technically required of me and I, who knows how many i'll watch before our next episode <laughs> um but yeah i, I want to go real quickly just my final thoughts on uh both yeah. of these episodes because i think they they are both these movies um not to go all like save the cat on you but i do like my human characters to have like motivations that i can care about um and not just run away from godzilla and watch the plot from afar with binoculars <laughs> um that which is why King Kong versus Godzilla, when we're just stuck with these, like, two comedian types. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't say comedians because they're not very funny, but two comedian types. They're, uh, they're, I mean, they're essentially of, the same, the same like, archetype as the two thieves in the Hidden Fortress or even R2-D2 and C-3PO. They're just two bumbling doofuses who kind of yeah. happen to witness the plot. Yeah, it's it's just that the um, it's a good point. They're just kind of like uh, unwitting bystanders for most of it. Occasionally, them or their boss will do something that affects the plot. They are a they are a a POV for the audience and not much else. After the first or second act, once they get King Kong to Japan, they're kind of out. Yeah, no, they right? disappear. Yeah, <laughs> they're just watching. Um, that doesn't really work. And one of the reasons I like the the uh, the Astro uh, the Astro Monster um, is that I quite enjoyed the both scientists and that yeah. they were constantly trying to achieve understandable goals and that they were trying to face off against a very understandable threat. And I like that Godzilla and uh, Rodan in this are kind of they got to be villains for a little bit because they were confused by the 
the electromagnetic rays. Um, so that got, you know, their goals were let's stop these two creatures from rampaging, just like in previous movies. But there's an understandable alien society that they need to fend off. Um, where sometimes, sometimes in these movies, it's like the main characters are just watching the plot. And then a bunch of military and government types are like trying various ineffectual ways to stop the monsters, but they're not the main characters, which is why the first movie will probably end up still being my favorite forever. Um, and maybe Shin Gun- it's probably had to have with Shin Godzilla because there's there's such a close connection between what the protagonists are doing and what the actual overall plot um, is. Um, but. I think in this series is where this 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 set of movies we're talking about today is where I kind of got to let go of the emotional tone and that like processing grief and trauma of the last movie of uh, Godzilla, I should say, not Raids Again, um, and sort of find something else in the series because we're moving into a new era. Um, but I still do need a human story. I still need something to, to connect with. Um, and I'm not, I, I didn't get that at all with King Kong versus Godzilla. So I was mostly waiting for the smashy smashy and there's very little of it. And most of it is not very impressive until literally the last 10 minutes. So, um, but King Kong versus, uh, the Astro Monster or sorry, not King Kong versus the Astro Monster. That's a completely different movie. Uh, Invasion of the Astro Monster. Um, I, I was compelled to the point where I wasn't just wondering when Godzilla was going to come in and smash things. I was like, oh, well, how are they going to beat these aliens? And how does the aliens tie How do the aliens tie in with King Ghidorah? So um, I at least had something to, to, to grab onto, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I think that'll be the case with the next two that you are legally obligated to watch. But you are welcome to to uh, to watch more. Um, but yeah, uh, we, this this episode's already been insanely long. Zach. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Thank you for um, really doing a good job of uh, forgetting our bit about that you don't care about being on this show. Uh, I guess Godzilla will do that. Godzilla and Spaghetti Westerns. That's how you get not so much Zach to get out of bed to record your podcast, but at least bring the podcast to his bed to record the podcast. And that's important. We'll do a Kung Fu month for for you uh yeah that is an area that we have not we have not tackled at all um i know you say you don't have anything to promote but um last chance i guess yeah um, no um, no no nothing to promote um i mean anything anything i any anything like i mean i'm looking for a roommate right now but by the time this airs it'll be long past that deadline so well, All good. if you wanted to live with Zach, you missed your chance. Uh, so sorry <laughs> to hear that for you. Maybe, maybe uh, kid him up before this pod, this episode came out. Uh, but yeah, well, next week we're doing officially Godzilla versus Gigan, and we are doing Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Um, and we may watch a few more and talk about a few more. So uh, and- is Gigan? Uh, I should know this, but is Gigan the one with Jet Jaguar? No, that's Megalon. I'm actually not a big Megalon fan. Oh. No, not overall. It's not not one of the better ones. But Jet Jaguar is. I actually think for like the goofy, over the top, <laughs> Gigan's the best one. It has a lot of fun monsters. That is the one though where Godzilla and Angulus talk to each other for a lot of the movie. <laughs> Jet Jaguar is great because it was a character designed by a child who won a contest yeah. to create a Godzilla character, and the kid clearly just 
created Ultraman. <laughs> it is very silly. It's the one that people talk about the, the Mystery Science Theory 3000 episode. It's also maybe the worst outside of like Godzilla it's, again. It's like if Marvel said, here's a contest for someone to create a character to put in our movie. And then someone just created Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is. It is. It is not one that I will be revisiting through this, but it is very funny concept. It's also one that has that thing of like um, him doing the Godzilla doing the 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 kick. That's just a ninety degree angle being pulled at strings without him moving. Um, I love that. I love that so much. But we'll see you next week for more suited and suitmation Godzilla action. Good night. stories high breathing fire his head in the sky Godzilla 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 and Godzilla Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch if you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show. Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches. Peter and Aaron. <laughs>